Today is Thursday, February 8th, 2024, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Oh boy, we got a spicy one today. All right. It is a really good conversation. So, it is uh, about speaking truth. So often, uh, I, was, I was at a church thing last night. It was a special event, and this guy was talking, and you know he brought up the Ephesians verse that says, hey, speak the truth and love. And often, you know, whenever things, because all we do is audio, when things get a little... Um, little grumpy from people and people get a little um we bring out all the verses that hey you know don't care about words dissensions all this other stuff it's it ruins all who listen you know all these bible verses about how to speak to each other and how to treat each other but um the one that never comes up is speak truth and love and i thought hey that's like the most concise way of saying this i mean all the others are great too but it takes people to stop yelling long enough to hear you but but if you're like hey speak truth and love speak the truth and love um it's quicker um Anyway, so we talk about that and, you know, how to treat people, um, secular versus Christian, you know, who treats who, how, and who does it better, (laughs) what's the goal, how should we treat people. Um, Anyway, so we talk about that for a good long while, get lots of opinions on it, uh, biblically inspired opinions. Um, We get into philosophy and, you know, wisdom of man is like, is foolishness. And, uh, you know, you need a spiritual discernment that comes from God, that type of thing. Then we get into race conversations. And is everyone a little racist? Um... Well, just listen. Um, let's see. Then we talk about a little politics. We shift after that. <laughs> These are quick. Sound like quick topics, but there's a lot of conver- uh, a lot of conversation and depth to them. So don't let me short sell it. Um, I could just say everything now, but you're going to hear it later anyway. So <laughs> listen to that. Uh, then we we shift to um, politics and the Tucker Carlson Putin interview that apparently he got that airs tonight. Let's see what's today, the eighth. So it airs uh, the eighth of February of 2024 at like i think it's like six eastern time so some people are interested in that like everyone's building interest up and apparently he's on like a hit list and a kill squad and all this other stuff for daring to speak to a person and get an interview of them saying things so anyways the end is near then we talk about the immigration bill that is a bunch of nonsense and uh yeah we go through that a little bit and uh yeah so good mix of religion and politics the two things they say never talk about and we do it so enjoy share these links so other people can hear a bunch of people talk while they're driving home or falling asleep or whatever take care have an awesome day we'll see you next time yeah so it could be (laughs) so it could be something like that right how i was sure um it said you know warn these people about about quarreling about wards and dissensions in second timothy 2 14 um that it is a cancer and ruins all who hear it um but then yeah the only one that seems to actually say cancer is uh new king james version and not until verse 17 but okay yeah so um let's see a couple examples okay a couple so you so uh, hang hang on hang on a couple examples of a mandela effect um since i'm on it is a phenomenon where a large group of people share a false memory about a historical event detail and media are commonplace here are some examples okay so all right so the bernstein bears right many people I don't want to read ahead. I want you to answer so you can see. Okay, many people remember the children's series as being, oh, okay, as being spelled with an E instead of an A. So instead right. of like Bern, Bernstein Bears, it's Bernstein Bears. And you're like, what? I, I remember Bernstein Bears. I'd say that all day long, but apparently it's Bernstein Bears. Um, in, in Star the Wars, it's like the... guy with the monocle. <laughs> in Star Wars, it's like, a, Luke, I am your father. Darth Vader famously reveals his paternity to Luke Skywalker in the iconic line. No, I am your father, not Luke. I am your father. So, like, Luke, I am your father. Like, who who remembers it differently? 
apparently the actual line is, no, I am your father. Yeah, there's there's a trippy one. You're going to have to rent Star Wars now and watch that one. Um, and, okay, the last, the last one, then we'll move on. Because <laughs> that wasn't what I wanted to get to. Um, oh, there, oh, there's actually a bunch of examples. But Shazam, uh, the children's movie called Shazam, it was actually Kazam. And uh, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, the Snow White, uh, the Evil Queen, Ask Her Magic Mirror. You know, who is the fairest of them all? Not Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, who is the fairest of them all? It's just, who is the fairest of them all? So anyways, it's just a bunch of trippy stuff like that that you're like, what? No, my, my childhood's a lie. Like, I remember that completely differently. Um, anyway, hey, Pastor Mark, if we can get you up here for a little bit, this this is probably not a bad topic to pull you in not not the evil queen and the mirror mirror thing but uh i i thought like last night i was at another church service i've been going to church a lot in the evening anyways they had a special event there so one of the people was talking about uh, it was apropos for clubhouse and all the drama llamas going on but the biggest thing they pointed out is something that you know when we usually talk it's like second timothy and, and all this other stuff but um it was speak the truth in love, right? Because if you tell someone that, hey, maybe you need to, you know, calm down just a little bit, uh, you know, you're not really helping the cause of Christ, anything like that. Um, and they'll say something like, well, you need to, you know, you need to confront it forcefully or blah, 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 or something like that, which is kind of like, you know, second Peter, uh, you know, the apologetics verse, is it 2, 2, 15, 3, 15, something 15. Anyways, the be ready to give the hope you have with gentleness and respect so the thing i always forget is the the one about speak the truth in love like ephesians 4 15 which sean almost won the prize for <laughs> um instead speaking the truth in love we will grow to become great and never respect uh the mature body of him who is ahead that is christ so you know speak the truth but do it in love and then that couples with all the other you know words of wisdom about how, look, don't compromise your convictions. You don't need to placate people or go out of your way to be a doormat. But, you know, if you're trying to share the gospel or even like talk about Christians who have the same gospel, they just disagree and quarrel about other stuff. Um, well, let's see. Proverbs is great. Maybe we should just beat people over the head with Proverbs. Like 26, like 17 through 22. It's just all all condensed. Um Okay, like the one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. How many people, like, are so willing to, like, insert themselves? I mean, and, uh, me too. I mean, I kind of like it. I don't like to, like, throw bombs, but I like to insert myself maybe where I don't belong. Um, let's see. Like a crazed cow is a person who brings their neighbor to court. Um, the quarrel of his husband with his wife. Oh, we should skip that one. Okay, fine. The quarrel of a husband with his wife is, like, noise of a dripping roof in a rainstorm. A hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. A charcoal to ember is wood to a fire. So is a quarrelsome person for uh, kindling strife. Uh, the words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into a person's innermost parts. Okay, we're almost done with it, then we'll get you uh, get you guys to give some thoughts. Um, eh, but if your brother or sister sins, that's what we were talking about yesterday, right? Like who's who's punishable for their own crimes? Well, the person who's guilty of the crime or the sin is the person who's responsible for that. That doesn't have anything to do with Jesus forgiving your sin and giving you eternal life. If you do the crime, you still, you know, own the consequences of that crime or sin or whatever. Um, anyway, Matthew 18, 15. So you know what I'm talking about. If your brother sins, go and point. Uh, if your if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between two of you. Uh, if they listen to you, you have won them over. 
But if they will not listen, take one or two others so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to witness, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to even listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So, I mean, you know, dealing with Clubhouse, we're not exactly an ecclesiastical body with, you know, spiritual oversight and all that. But, I mean, it's not bad to point out that there's plenty of wisdom that can be found there. Um, let's just go through the best of AI. Just a couple more verses. Bear with me. Um, I know Connie and if Mark's talking have great insight for this. James 1, 29, 20, everyone should be quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Um, James 3, 1, 1 through 12, we're not reading that all, but it talks about how the tongue is bad. Um, destructive power of the tongue, highlighting how careless the words can be of a, you know, conflict and divisions and things like that for stirring it up. Uh, another goodie, back from the Google Plus days and the Bible. James 4, 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your own desires that battle within you? Do you, uh, do you desire and not have, so you kill? You covet but cannot get what you want? So you quarrel and fight because you do not, uh, because, uh, you do not have because you do not ask God? So I think another way of saying that is, where do quarrels and fights come from? It's because you didn't get your way. You didn't get what you want. Uh, so that goes to like pride and like selfishness. Um, two more, I promise, two more, I promise. Okay, James 5, 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. That's talking about Christians. Um, or you will be judged. See, the judge is standing at the door. Okay, last one, last one. <clears throat> Let's see, one Bible translation to pull, rule them all. Which one are we gonna use for this? We'll do ESV. Clear out this other stuff. Clear out the cobwebs. Okay, 14. <clears throat> so, 2 Timothy 2, 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Um, that is powerful. Is it ruins the hearers. I mean, that's not like maybe it will or maybe it won't. That's powerful. Well, and think about that. Like how many people, like good Lord, in the last week, <laughs> there have been several people who sent me messages on Discord or whatever. And they're like, hey, you know, I appreciate the room. I appreciate the conversation. But, you know, because of all this, uh, you know, th this stuff that we're talking about, the quarreling about words, which does no good, it has ruined those who hear. They're like, hey, I appreciate it. I may stop by, but I got to take a break. Like, you know, I think I think God's telling me I need to take a break from Clubhouse and talking about this stuff. It's not doing any good. I'm like, if there's ever like a ding, ding bell that should be going off if you're driving people away from christian hopefully godly bible discussions that's not good and i, I said one more verse but this is uh, the the context so i'm i'm counting that too um <laughs> this is do your you know do your best to present yourself to prove to god but avoid irrelevant uh, irrelevant babble for it will re will lead people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene that may be the cancer Oh, oh, yeah, it was, because in New King James, it calls it cancer. So that spreads like cancer. So anyway, what are your thoughts about that, uh, Connie? Take the word of God uh, seriously. <laughs> Amen, right? Like, <laughs> there used to be this guy um, on, on Google, and he, his whole thing was, which I, I, less is more, right? Like, keep it simple. Uh, you know, like the acronym, like keep it simple, stupid. I mean, the simpler you can make the gospel, the better, because it's so simple. 
So, you know, he's like, hey, read the Bible and do what it says. And people used to give him, a, Lou knows who I'm talking about, but people people used to give him a hard time because they're like, oh, read the Bible and do what it says, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, read the Bible and do what it says. I'm like, yeah, it's not hard. And then there would be like, oh, well, what interpretation do you have? Oh, what philosophy book have you read about, you know, Exodus 3 or how could this be? And it's like, you're already, you're like, you're already lost. You're already getting to like losing territory. Um, read the Bible, do what it says. Keep it simple. It is not a difficult gospel. Uh, Pastor Mark, are you speaking? Hey there. Good morning, everybody. I'm on a drive. I get to go see the kids and grandkids for a couple days. Oh, are you going like way, way north? I'm driving to from Southwest Florida to Atlanta. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking farther than that. Okay. Well, yeah. What's yeah. your thoughts on this? I mean, nothing that ha someone hasn't said before. Probably you, what you yourself have said before, but. Yeah, no, I I like the verses, man. You were giving some great verses, and we sometimes need to... There's certain verses you have to be reminded of often, and for me, one of those is speaking the truth in love, like you said, because some people don't speak the truth. Some people speak it, but not in love, and some people think if you love somebody, you won't say anything, when actually the most loving thing you can do is to say something, but how you say it is just as important as what you say. So, so yeah, those are good. I just enjoyed hearing all those verses you strung together. Yeah, and it's <laughs> not exactly a godly source, but, um, you know, someone once, it was a lyric to a song once, and it said, uh, it, there was a line that said, it's not what you say, it's just in the way. And that always stuck with me. And every time I say it, it doesn't seem like it has the same impact on other people. But I'm like, that's awesome, right? Like, I could brag about it. It's not mine. Like, I stole it from the line of a song. But, I mean, it's just a simpler way of exactly what you said, Mark. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not so much what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. So, you know, you can lovingly, lovingly tell people they're damned to hell without a salvation in Jesus Christ. But you can say it in a way without torches and pitchforks. Right. So, it's, it, the song is close, the song you're quoting. Because I wouldn't say it's not what you say. I mean, obviously, what we say has to be the truth. So it is what you say, but yeah. And now, here's an old saying that my youth pastor told me. He said, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, that, that's good. And, and you know, that's why, I mean, that's why there's like kind of brain teasers, right? Or if you really want to like get, get studious and like dissect the saying, that, then yes. I mean, what you say, the content actually absolutely does matter. But it's like something Roy used to challenge me on. Like, I love the saying, like, perception is reality. Because, again, if you dissect it, you're like, well, actually, perception is not reality. Reality is reality. It's like, yes, yes. Ever, but, but it's like, it's, I take it as it's so on the nose that you're supposed to gloss over that part and be like, well, yes, perception is not reality. But the saying perception is reality means that for all intents and purposes, how people perceive something, they're going to treat it as reality. Um, and again, that's another one I, I like just because it's like, it, it's a, it's like a pithy way of getting to the point. So yes, technically perception is not reality. I mean, unless how you perceive it is actually true, but you know, if someone's like, Hey, look at that. Uh, and they say something and you believe it and it's false. Well, yeah, that's not reality, but they're going to act as though it is unless, you know, they're countered with the truth and they, and they, that's now their perspective. Uh, yeah, I get that. You know, pithy sayings can 
help drive home a point. So I know what you're saying. That's good. Uh, let's see. Anyone else have anything to say about this topic? Um, I, I think Apostle's a good form. I, I didn't want to cut him off. He wanted to say something. Sean, I will say in love to you. <laughs> I, I will ask in love. How many bars does your phone have right now? <laughs> Two. All right, if you want to say something, let's, let's give it a shot and let's see what we can expect from a two-bar cell phone. Well, I can shot, Sean. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I had food in my mouth. Oh, that's all right. We'll let Ed go. Ed, Edwin. I, yeah, I just want to, it relates to, I think, the, the topic a bit. We're, um, one of the things that Paul requested prayer for in Ephesians 6 Um that he talked about how about regarding the preaching of the gospel. He says, for I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so there was a manner in which he desired to speak, and he was asking them to pray for him to be able to speak boldly, which is the idea of speaking with confidence and assurance and, um, you know, and sol solemnity. Uh, and I think that's important when the gospel is proclaimed, that it's not so much your sharing. Oh, this is my personal opinion, but it's a, it's a declaration of truth, and you speak with boldness and, uh, and gravity and so forth. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Thanks. How about you, Miss D? Hey. I have been listening to voice notes of everybody having a discussion on Calvinism. <laughs> and I bet you didn't hear me. <laughs> no, you were not on there. I run um, like a plague. <laughs> my... <laughs> As I listen to the arguments, it sounds like Calvinism is a version of what Hebrew Israelites believe. That's what I get out of it. Um, and honestly, I feel like if a Hebrew Israelite decided to take the philosophy, they could make a very good argument from their perspective. Um, but from what they're saying about limited atonement and the predestined and um, the uh, like some people are destined to be like to go to hell. These are all of the things that I've heard um, Hebrew Israelites say. Um, I don't have a dog in a fight, but as I just listened, you know, you know. As I listen to it, that's my perspective on it. And again, like I said, I'm not, I, after being on Clubhouse, I have actually decided uh, that I am Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't even want to get into all the intricate details of what everybody else believes. But when I'm just listening to what is being said, I hear, uh, I hear very similar arguments. And, you know, I, I'm always in the Hebrew Israelite room and I hear very similar arguments. So I just wanted to put that out there. And, um, Connie, I did see the movie uh, Jesus Re Revolution. I saw that, uh, I think, like a day or two ago. So I just wanted to. Those are the only things I wanted to say. Well, thanks. And, uh, yeah, question in the chat. Does, does the son possess society? Yes. In the beginning was the word. The word is with God and the word was God. Yes, the son does possess a saying. Uh, Pastor Mark, would you like to 
explain that a little more in depth? Like, you know, actually, I'd like to uh, comment on Edwin's thing. I, I think that's really amazing that Paul, who went on missionary journeys and established the Lord used him to establish churches. He uh, witnessed to kings and and governors and and just incredible that when he sends this letter to the Ephesians, his prayer request in chapter six is pray that I'll have boldness. <laughs> and I thought, man, if if Paul needed prayer for boldness, then we need prayer for boldness. And there's quite interesting study on boldness in the New Testament. And one of the verses that stands out to me is Acts 4.13. I think that's the reference. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And so in that verse, the application for us is when you spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what produces boldness. And if we want more boldness, we just have to spend more time with Him, and then we'll be more bold in our witness. And um, with the filling of the Spirit, we can be more effective in our witness. So I really appreciate everyone bringing out Ephesians 6 there. Sure. No, no, it's really important. It's, I, I, I have heard it said sometimes people talk about sharing the gospel. And I understand what people mean by that. You're sharing your beliefs and your thoughts on the gospel. But I don't think the Bible emphasizes sharing the gospel as it is proclaiming it and declaring it with confidence. Now, this is not my opinion, just my opinion. This is, this is truth and, and declaring it in a solemn, bold, confident way where you know what you're saying is the truth. Anyway, you want to say something? Go ahead, Nate. Um, I'm, <laughs> we're having another conversation in chat. Um, and random, hey, what's up, Philip? Feel free to jump up on stage if you like. But um, let's see. Can't... Yeah, so um, that idea of sharing the gospel is a good, to me it's a good way to put it because it encourages you that you don't have to be in people's face all the time. But you're right. I, the language of the scripture is not so much sharing the gospel. It's proclaiming uh, the gospel, preaching the gospel. Um how about Jude? You know, we have compassion, making a difference, but then others we save with fear, snatching them out of the flames, you know. So we, we need definitely more boldness. And I think we've gotten so concerned about, you know, we don't want to offend anybody or things like that, that we've swung too far the other direction. I know very few believers who witness in such a way that it's actually offensive. To me, it's we're just too quiet we don't we don't give people now we should do it lovingly but we don't give them the truth and so i think it's really important so glad that came out today and that kind of has to do with how you uh, you know your your view i guess your theological understanding because if you're someone who you know sees like the holy spirit is like this this gentleman drawing calling that you can you know snub your face at and like reject and you know darken your eyes and close your ears and God's not going to, you know, God's going to be, like, honor that request, even though he could do whatever he wants. 
Um, it's like, you know, choose this day. Uh, today is the day of salvation. It's yours for the taking. Um, so if you see it that way, that will maybe make you not want to be so prickly, um, like a like fish with a lure, uh, not like it has anything to you know ultimately do with you, but still, like why go out of your way to be offensive? Um, versus if you see, you know, um, if your theology tells you that God is going to get you if if He wants you, no matter what, well then I guess you can share the gospel and be a chief jerk about it too. Because who cares, right? Um, God, I mean, if God's gonna, if God wants you, He's gonna get you, no matter how you present yourself or the gospel or Jesus. Um, but at that point, it's like, well, if that's why share the gospel? Because if God wants you, He's gonna get you. Other than some like you know command that says, well, technically you have to share the gospel. So it's like, hey, Jesus died for your sins. Do you want to be a demon or do you want to follow Jesus? You suck. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't think most of us see that as a good way. But I mean, I think that's where your theology, like theology and your understanding does play a part. Even if you would say that's never how you'd act, it kind of comes across that way. Uh, Connie, you want to give an answer real quick and then I'll answer the guy in chat? <laughs> no, that's okay, brother. I just, sometimes you make me laugh. <laughs> you know, when you think about the illustrations of how our witness ought to be, um, Probably Jesus comes up with the best illustration, of course, and he compares it to being a fisher of men. So how aggressive should you be? Well, think about fishing, right? You obviously uh, put the lure and you make the gospel attractive, but at the same time, the purpose of fishing is to catch fish. And you know, some people are like, well, I share the gospel, but I never, I never uh, have in my whole life got to see somebody come to Christ to be saved because of my witness. Well, I don't think that's the idea. I mean, if we're supposed to be fishers of men, then we ought to be catching at least a couple fish here and there, right? Even, even little baby minnows. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Back to the Asadi thing. Um, it's like a hold button or a conference call. Like, hang on, let me switch to the other call, then let me switch back. Um, okay, so yes, Jesus, the son does possess uh, Asadi. Um, Let's see. Can you explain how he possesses a deity yet still is in effect from the Father? So Jesus, uh, you know, in John three sixteen, it talks about the only begotten Son of God. So you know, begotten implies not like a human, like how humans have baby children, and you say they were begotten, but it still means to come forth, like from, like to come from within. Uh, so yes, Jesus does come from the Father, just like the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son, right? Uh, so you would say that. And then you'd say, well, how can they be self-sustaining if one proceeds from the other? On the other hand, John 1, 1, you know, in the beginning was the word. The word is Jesus. If, if it's not some clever interpretation, if you go to Revelation uh, 20, I think it's like 21, 7 or 20, uh, 21, 7, I believe, or 6. And it says, and his name is called the word of God. So that it's clearly talking about Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Um, so how can Jesus be God self-sustaining at the same time as he proceeds from God? Because God, we operate in a linear time. One thing has to happen before another can happen. And then the, the previous thing happened, we call that history. The future thing happened, um, you know, and, and we arrive at that as it happens and we live in the present. We don't believe God works that way at all. We don't believe God is bound by time. He's not constrained by time. He creates time. Uh, he holds everything in his hands. We believe that encompasses time. So this is how you can have things that you would, in our understanding, not be able to have. 
because we are bound by the limitations of time. God is not. Um, that's the answer. So you can have Jesus coming, uh, you know, being the begotten son of God and the Holy Spirit proceeding from, uh, you know, proceeding at the same time as all have a satiety. Um, that would be the answer. All right, let me put that on hold and switch back to the other conversation. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, obviously doctrine is important, but you know, someone wants to come and ask about aseity, and I want to ask them, all right, we're a month into the new year. How many folks have you brought the gospel to? How many have come to Christ? How many fish have you caught? And then we'll talk about aseity. Because, you know, people want to hash out the fine points of doctrine, and they're all very important. But, hey, let's, let's uh, focus on the job the Lord's given us to do. And then also, I just glanced at the chat. You know, a lot of people want to, I don't know who this person is, but a lot of people want to portray themselves as spiritual leaders, but then they haven't even grown enough to control their language and be a good example in their language. And I think, you know, when when you're trying to dispense truth, like in some of these rooms where the moderators are using the Bible to argue their points, but then they're using foul language or questionable language, it's like, man, if you don't have enough discernment to ask the Lord to control and bridle your tongue, then why are you trying to dispense truth about the deep things of doctrine, you know? That's just something that's been me lately. So thanks for letting me get that off my shoulders. I completely agree. Uh, let, yeah, and uh, taking taking that, let me uh, put, put this conversation on hold and switch back to the, well, I guess you took it off hold. But yeah, so the last time I'll answer this because it doesn't matter. Like we just go circular after this. Uh, that makes no sense. It defies the definition of all caps, aseity. No, it doesn't. It, it defies your worldview. So in the Christian worldview, whether you believe it or not, like this is how Christians view it. So Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not three, one. One God, same God, monotheistic, monotheistic one, una, uno, God. So um, being one God, there, there's no problem. Like if the Holy Spirit didn't exist, then no God would exist. We wouldn't have this conversation. The world would be dead. No one would know anything. If Jesus didn't exist, um, nothing else would exist. If the Father didn't exist, nothing else would exist. So it's not like you have three and you can take one away. All are God. All are the one and only God, not three gods. No matter how many times I say that, you're still going to think it's three gods I'm talking about. We're not. Father, Son, and Spirit, one God. So if you try to like divide or separate the Father, Son, and Spirit and say, well, look, you would still have God if you didn't have one or the other. No, you wouldn't. If you take away the Father, take away the Son, take away the Holy Spirit— you have no God. The universe doesn't exist. You don't exist. Nothing exists. Nothing matters. Um, that's the point. So that's how you can all have a saity because all are self-sustaining. Not all three are self-sustaining. All are self-sustaining because there is only one God. Okay, um, we're done with that. That is the answer. Um, not to cut the conversation short, but anything else we could say is just going to go circular again. Um, so like Mark says, Pastor Mark, um, you know, there is a call from the Holy Spirit out there. The net is cast far and wide fishing, if you will. And, you know, today is the day of salvation. Repent, believe the gospel, exercise the measure of faith that has been given to everyone and call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. No one, the Bible says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, gives them that ability. And I don't mean like some, you know, clever atheist on YouTube being like, oh, Jesus is Lord. See, I said it. Ah, ha, ha. Um, I mean, like sincerely, the same way where Jesus says, you know, 
open up, humbly, sincerely seek him, uh, and you will find him that way. So if people are like, hey, look, I, I did this. You know, I, I told Jesus, hey, invisible sky daddy, if you're there, here I am. Save my soul. Oh, I didn't hear from Jesus. Guess he's not real. No, from like a sincere, humble place. And I was talking to someone last night, that, and they were, asked, they were talking about it. Like uh, how many of these big conversations um, really lead people to Christ? And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I, can't, I don't keep track on all the, you know, internet people. Um, but, uh, there have been some people who have said, you know, that, um, the point is it's the simple stuff that leads people to Christ. It's not big, fancy philosophy. Like in, that's where we spend 90% of our time is often the deep end talking about big theological terms that people can't pronounce and, you know, philosophical conversations that make me beat my head against my desk. Um, and that's like 90% of what we spend our time on, but what actually gets people to what Jesus calls the gospel and eternal life. Um, that we spend the least amount of talking about because they're just like, oh, okay, well, if you believe that, that's fine. I'm like, well, yeah, but that, that's that's what everyone has to believe in order for eternal life. That's the most important thing we can talk about, yet we spend the least amount of time on it. But the people who are saved, it's from things like that. Like next to no one is saved from understanding the hypostasis. Um, so, so I would say that. It doesn't mean that you know you should try to put your head in the sand and be ignorant, but it means you know what what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Um, so if you have all this intellectual knowledge or you know scholarship or fancy titles or degrees, you could be just as damned as someone that's never heard about any of this. Um, it's all where you put your faith and your trust. And if that's not Jesus, you can have a head knowledge and yeah, be just as damned. So. And this is why yeah, I ahead. like coming into your rooms, Nate. <laughs> this is why. Like, <laughs> like, I didn't, there's so many Christians going to hell on Clubhouse the way everybody been saying it. <laughs> everybody, every Christian is going to hell on Clubhouse. Like, this is why, <laughs> just keep it simple. Just, uh, somebody was, uh, out. Was it is the Colossians two and eight with the vain philosophy and everything like that? Like I this is so. why I'm I in here. Right. This is why I'm in here because it's just clean. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. All that other stuff. I don't see the disciples talking about the hypostasis. They're they're trying to save the men. They're trying to connect with the people. Like it's it's like you guys are studying. I don't even want to say, I, I get it. People yearn for knowledge. I get that. I get that. You know, seeking you shall find. I get it. I get it. But like, I have never met as many people on Clubhouse that are Christians that have been sending people to hell. Left and right. <laughs> Everybody, left and right. It is crazy, D. It's craziness. We it's complete insanity. It, it's it, it it takes my breath away sometimes, you know. It's like I can't hardly you... even imagine it. I, yeah, <laughs> I've probably been sent there a few times already. Um, I did want to say, if I could, um, Nate, sure. yeah. that there is a documentary. Although this young man, when he came to me, uh, was doing his thesis for his PhD, um, uh, did a uh, documentary, but he lied and he, he, he ran away with it. But if you do watch it, there are personal testimonies on it, D and Apostle. There are personal testimonies on it from people who are actually there, which we know is more valuable than a secondhand uh, or a Hollywood version. The Hollywood version stinks to high heaven, D. 
It's called Frisbee, the Life and Death of a Hippie Preacher, an Apostle. Uh, both John Wimber and Chuck Smith wrote Lonnie out of the story completely. So John Wimber calls him the young man. In his church, um, uh, he was uh, had a church uh, at, uh, called a Calvary Chapel Church, and then uh, the vineyard was started because of something that Lonnie, the Holy Spirit, did through Lonnie uh, on uh I think it was Mother's Day. So it's really worth watching the documentary, not for the way that it was put together necessarily, but for the the um, actual people that were there that are testifying. So um, it is a bigger story. And, this, and the main story is, though, that God chose people that could not possibly take it credit for what he was doing, but they did anyway. That's the sad part. But the wonderful part is that God did, did use people and uh, got what he wanted accomplished, accomplished during that time. And uh, Dee, since you, since you brought it up, I think, is this the one you were talking about in Second Colossians 2.8? Uh, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition. Oh, there's a trigger word. Yeah, and uh, human, the, human tradition and the ele, uh, elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. Right. So like once they start talking about, you know, I get it, philosophy, logic, logical reasoning, the fallacies, I, I get that. But when you start basing your religious beliefs on the fallacies and all I hear is philosophizing and not a Bible verse. It just gives me, it, it makes me like, where's the spirit in it? Because you're using man's reasoning. I, I said this in a chat somewhere and they were like, what do you mean man's reasoning? And to me, you're, you, you completely missed the point. You're using a, the logic of fallible men to create a doctrine. And, and again, I'm not speaking on Calvinism. I'm talking about when I hear people start philosophizing. So whoever it is, no matter if it's Calvinists, Trinitarians, Unitarians, Oneness, Modalists. I, I thought I was a Trinitarian. Then I came in, I thought I was a Modalist. And then I was, it, it just got real crazy for me. And I just was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ and him crucified, you know? But anyways, when you, when I, all I hear is philosophy and not scripture it starts to make me believe that you're just, you, you, you're not, it's given adding or subtracting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're coming outside of the Bible to find ways to justify a doctrine that's something that you weren't even there to create in the first place. So, well, yeah, well, <laughs> whenever I hear, um, yeah, whenever I hear like deep philosophy and stuff like that, I usually, I usually get a little, a little snarky and I post verses like these in chat because I, I hate philosophy. I mean, I like it. I, I mean, they're not troglodyte or whatever. Like, I, I mean, I, I like it for what it's useful for. But for the gospel, yes, it's very. Exactly. I mean, I mean, like you know, glass half full, glass half empty. That's about as as deep as you need to go. Um, so, so I, I think that's where my disdain comes. Not because oh, you have to think and you have to reason. That part's fine. But when it becomes like like glaring in the eyes of scripture, and it becomes so patently useless in my humble vision. Um, then I'm like, okay, we have jumped the shark. We have left the building. Um, you know, a couple more things were fast. So I think I said second Colossians. It's just Colossians. It was the way it was numbered. <laughs> Anyways. Nay, um, Nay. It'll, I, it'll be like, that's a fossil equivocation because that, 
evocation of the distraction from the blah, blah, blah to the did, 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 will make this blah, blah, blah. Ten hours later, I'm saying the same thing because I sound intelligent, but I said no Bible verses. That's what I, I'd be like, <laughs> oh my God. And I never seen anyone change their mind. Like, no. and it always, it, if you <laughs> no. give them long enough, it always goes to brain in a vat. It's like, how do I know I'm not a brain in a vat? How do I know I exist? How do I know you exist? If I'm like, if you can't trust yourself, whether or not you exist, I, I cannot talk to you. But First uh, Corinthians, two more things. First Corinthians uh, 3, 18, 20. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. Um, they should put quotes in. <laughs> the words of the wise are futile. Right. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, uh, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world uh, or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is Lord. Uh, Christ is King. Um, okay, the last one. This is a long one. Bear with me. I just love this one. Oh, besides the shortest one. Which is hey, like Nate, just before you do that, please. First sure, Timothy Sean. 6.20. First How many Timothy bars you got? Six, Just kidding. Go ahead. We hear you. 1 Timothy 6.20. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, according, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Amen. Thank you. And I was going to say, I'm going to read a lot right now, but, but first I'll balance that with a short one. Romans 1, right? <laughs> Thinking themselves wise, they became fools. Just rubber stamp that and send it out. Okay, now for a long one, then I'll, then I'll shut up for a while about that at least. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25. Bear with me. Um, it looks like a snippet. Did it really give me the whole thing? Anyways, um, so I just think this, like, because it happens so much over the years that every time people start going down a big, like, you know, logic and reasoning, like, like that dude that was just in there was talking about aseity. He's like, it defies aseity. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It defies your natural wisdom, your human understanding. That's what it defies. Um, anyways, so uh, is, is it ontological or is it? Ah! Um, okay, so 1 Corinthians 1, 18, 25. Um, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is... Um, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God uh, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, uh, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Um, so. Amen. <laughs> Woo! How's everyone else doing today? My last comment on it, and I'm going to let it, let it live. <laughs> I think it does have a place, but that place is with atheists. So if atheists and uh, Christian who like, Christians who like to philosophize want to get together and they can go point for point, tick for tack, I love to see it. I love it like that. Like, that's why I like to hear, um, 
what's the guy's name? Oh my goodness. He always is William Craig. I love to hear William Craig when he's talking to atheists. I can meet you where you're at because they go tick for tat and then he'll throw some Bible verses in there. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a battle of wit. I love it. But when you are talking to someone who can relate to the Bible, stick in the Bible. Like if it's like bringing a gun to the knife fight, if I'm bringing a Bible and you're bringing a knife, it's not an even match. Like stick to the Bible, argue within the Bible and then maybe that's when you guys can get to a place where you can find common ground because you can go scripture for scripture instead of philosophy for per scripture or philosophy for I don't even understand what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the best way to get because at the end of the day, we're trying to to gather the minds and get people to love Christ and, and know about Christ. So when you go verse for verse. It's going to be clear for everybody compared to philosophy to verse, but and, I think I it's think, great for atheists. It's great for and, atheists. Yeah, and even for atheists, like I think you know the goal of the Christians should still always like if they need to play that game to I, I don't know. So the atheist is like, oh wow, I guess you know these Christians aren't as dumb as I thought, or maybe I'm not as smart as I thought. So I mean, if they need to play that game a little bit to like get an audience to listen to them, then fine. But you know, I think in the mind of the Christian, the idea should always be you know just looking for that moment where you can like, you know, rip the conversation to the gospel. So however you can do that, like quickly and easily be like, Oh yes. Big word, big word, big word. Oh, Jesus died for your sins. <laughs> big word, big word, big word, eternal life. <laughs> uh, Jesse, what's up, Jesse? It sounds like the guy that you guys were interacting with, that was amongst the believers who was talking in the chat about a saity. Is that right? Uh, he, he had a bunch of Arabic writing, so I know that's not indicative of anything, but I'm going to go ahead and say he was probably not a Christian. Also because he was like, he was kind of, I'm just going to say he was a Muslim. <laughs> like the yeah. way he it felt he was kind of approaching it, like I yeah. believe that is what would have been discovered. Because 30 minutes ago, Christians, I got a question, right? So it sounds yeah. like he's coming outside of Christian context. I mean, it sounds like that's just like he should. So the only thing based on what I heard when I came in was it sounds like, I mean, my opinion is you'd also have to be equally aware of a, an Erasmian human philosophy, right? Which is like going to that's be, UD. it's going to be like a, an, an idolatry around the Bible to the extent that the Bible is so elevated, right? That you're, you're you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, right? <laughs> so the the risk on the other side of the equation is that you so reject, like, let's say, philosophy that then you don't know how to reason and defeat them on their terms, right? Answer a fool not according to his folly, lest you be, lest you be wise in his eyes, answer a fool according to his folly, right? So the issue is, is that those kinds of issues, like aseity, that's a valid concern because you have that issued right out of the biblical texts concerning how to how the son relates to the father is the is the son equally divine with the father the creed of Nicaea that we want to profess and we want to stand on the truth of there are implications that could come out of the creed of Nicaea that then make Jesus's divinity contingent right on the on the father's communication of the essence to him so you know, there's there's some valid concerns there. The gospel should always be first. It should be foremost. 
you should stick to a thoroughly biblical uh, a thoroughly biblical emphasis and everything that you're saying it should be rooted in the word of God first and foremost. But that does not mean that you should then be a humanist philosopher on your own side of the argument where then you cannot participate in these in such that you can like adequately refute these objections, you know. You just I just want to say you like I think you should probably be careful of that because human philosophy is going to be just as just as dangerous, right? Where all we need to do is read the Bible. We don't need to understand the Greco-Roman context from which Paul says these things when he says, when like Hebrews 1.3 says that the son is the hypostasis of the father. He's the exact nature of the father. We just don't say, well, there's no need to parse that out. We don't really need to understand exactly what the author of Hebrews understood by his usage of the term hypostasis in Hebrews 1.3. You know, that would be my main concern is that it just turns into a human philosophy and not a Christian philosophy at that time, at that point. I think we all agree with the, with the idea of what you're saying. And it wasn't about the uh, aseity. Like, that's, that's not what brought this on. I mean, that, that may be what started it, but it's not like we had a huge, long debate about it. Um, but it was generally just the overview of where these conversations kind of go. So, you know, we were just, I don't know if you were in here when we were talking about, like, all the, you know, all the verses that compare and contrast God's wisdom versus the wisdom of man and how the wisdom of man can lead to foolishness, um, you know, versus versus God and that type thing. It was just a very general um, yeah, macro macro view conversation. Yeah, um, that's good. Because, I mean, you don't want someone coming in here, right, and, like, denying the master that's bought us, you know, slipping, slipping in to spy out the liberty we have in Christ with – with words of the world's wisdom, right? Like, you want to be able to refute them. I totally agree. Well, sure. Like, you know, you don't want to be like, uh, Jesus, good, Bible, read, uh, and have no answer. Like, you know, when people are like, uh, Jesus, but, good, devil, bad. I mean, I mean, actually, it's, I mean, it'll probably be fine. I mean, it's probably that's, the that's, easiest way to do it. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the way to go. Just, hey, repent, believe the gospel. What about the Trinity? Repent, believe the gospel. I mean, they already think we're crazy anyway. Maybe that's not a bad idea. We'll, we'll think about that. But in the meantime, you know, when they're like, hey, the Trinity or the hypostatic union or, you know, I mean, we should know enough. I, I mean, I guess if that's your world, not not required. But I mean, you know, you know like when, when the whole point is ask a Christian, I mean, it would behoove us to know enough to be able to, to articulately explain our position. But, you know, instead of like going down this whole rabbit trail, just be like, um, look, uh, boom, 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 there. I've showed my like, you know, I've showed that I, I'm not just some guy that's gullible and just believes a book because a book told him to without questioning. Like, there you go. Demonstrated. So now maybe you're not as high and mighty as you thought you are. Um, so now we're getting believe the gospel. So, yeah, you want to give answers, you know, with gentleness and respect, which implies you have answers to give. Um but yeah, I, I think less is more, right? So like, um, meet them where they are, and then drag them <laughs> to the simple, simple gospel. Yeah, um, Titus one has a lot to say about that. Yes, uh, Pastor yeah, yeah, I was going to say that's that's tremendous because, you know, sometimes I think we forget the principle in First Corinthians two fourteen: the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. I think I skipped a phrase in there, their foolishness unto him. And so, you know, we, we need to, some people have legitimate questions that are a hurdle. And if we can answer their legitimate question and help them over the 
the hurdle, then they're able to listen to the gospel. Um, but, you know, to go on arguing back and forth and using all, I was laughing when Dee was bringing up people who use these huge vocabularies and all these um, clubhouse avatars are coming into my head of people like that. And, um, you know, you don't, you need a dictionary when you listen to them. It's like, wait a second here. But yeah, I mean, answer the question like you did with Isaiah and then take them to the gospel because even the gospel they're not going to understand unless the Spirit's working. But we have promises in Scripture that the Spirit will uh, convince them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so when we're given the gospel, that can get through to them. But the other stuff, it's going to seem like foolishness unto them. And so we have to remember that and just answer the question to get them past their hurdle so we can give them the gospel. I know, uh, brother. Oh, excuse yeah, me. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know that um, Pastor Mark interacts with people in his travels. He's he 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 drives a lot, don't you, Brother Mark? But um, I yes. came from yes. I came. Sometimes he'll just turn on, and you can just drop in and keep him company while he's driving to a, a <laughs> meeting or something like that. It's pretty cool. Um, anyway, I love it. So I came from the other direction. I came off the streets uh, witnessing for the Lord. And so this is my experience on Clubhouse. I'm just wondering how many people use this as their only place to witness for the Lord because from this perspective that I have, um, it seems easy to uh, witness uh, here rather than the person that lives next door to you or the person that, that is... Uh, needs help in a parking lot or something like that. Um, uh, a lot of people are afraid, you know, for that one-on-one um, -on -one when you're standing face-to-face -face with somebody. And um, uh, I just was wondering if anybody had any uh, thing to say about about that. Well, let, let me um, let me finish the other thing, and then yeah, that's that's a good uh, question, Connie. Let, let me finish this other thing real quick, uh, Mark. I thought you said Titus, um, but does that say? Were you thinking of Corinthians, or does Titus say the first uh, the thing Corinthians first, says? Because First Corinthians two fourteen. Okay, yeah, because I was um, I was gonna say like I think about that a lot, especially when we have like arduous conversations about the Trinity, uh, because. Like, no, it's logic and one plus one plus one and, you know, all this other stuff. I'm like, look, man, there's there is an element to this that is spiritually discerned. Like I'm uh, because often I think, look, you uh, like that's my thing. Right. I'm like, you don't have to believe it. You should. But you don't have to believe it. But just be honest enough to say you understand it from our position. That doesn't mean you're admitting defeat. It doesn't mean God is right. Um, just just let me know that you understand what I'm saying and then just disagree with it. That's that's fine. I mean, it's not fine. But I mean, uh, that's acceptable. Instead of feeling like you're trying to just troll us and be like, no, no, it doesn't make any sense. You're so confusing. But at some point, I just decided that, you know, the Bible's right and I'm wrong. So I'll just take the loss. So because, you know, uh, but the natural man does not receive things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So no matter how much I think I should be able to say about the Trinity, look, Turn to Genesis 1. Turn the very first page in the Christian Bible, and you'll see the Trinity represented. 
Like, get out of here with Tertullian. Get out of here. <laughs> like, we don't care about the 1800s. We don't care about the name. You see it on page one of your Bible. It has always been that way. You know, when John the Baptist, when Jesus is baptized, you see the, the Father, Spirit, Son, all represented there. So it's all throughout Scripture. Um, just read the thing. Uh, I'm like, there. Does that make sense? Do you understand how we can possibly I, – I mean, I'm super condensing this, but you've heard it before. I'm like, do you now, do you possibly understand – how we see that uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three, yet one. It's the same God. Like, no, it's so confusing. I'm like, okay, man, if I was like an atheist or didn't believe this stuff, I think I would say something like, okay, yes, I get it. I see it in your Bible. It's very clearly represented. I just disagree with it. Um, I'd be like, great, that's fine. I mean, again, not fine eternally, but I mean, that's fine for argument. Uh, but they, they can't. So I'm like, okay, fine. The Bible wins. I'm wrong. You, you just can't get it. I'm like, so if you want to understand the tr Trinity— you have to understand first salvation through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will live within you and will lead you into all truth and understanding. That's the answer. So if you want to know the Trinity or these super deep doctrines, just fall on your face before God, repent, ask for eternal life. He will freely give it to you and you will have it. Um, and then you can learn about this other stuff. And it will be much easier to learn about this other stuff. A lot of your questions up on that belief in Jesus Christ and faith in him to save you that will make a lot of your questions just disappear. You're like, oh, ha, I get it now. How is that? It's God. It's spiritual discernment. Um, okay. So, uh, <laughs> Akani, um, to your question, you know, yeah, I think most of us, I definitely do most of my, uh, I guess, witnessing here because, I mean, because it's a bigger audience. There's lots of people to do it too. Um, and it is also more convenient and easier, uh, you know, less scary because uh, there's not as much confrontation when you're not face-to-face -face with someone. Um, that being said, I'm going to speak for Mark, uh, Pastor Mark and say he absolutely does it in real life as much as he uh, does here because when um, when we go out and, you know, occasionally have lunch, he's always giving the waitresses or whatever, like, you know, tracts and asking them what church they go to. So, um, yeah, for, for me, I will say, you know, having um, having those conversations, especially initiating them, is uh, – to just walk up and be like, hey, what church do you go to? Do you know Jesus? Like that, that is a little awkward for me to do in, in the real world, I guess. Um, I do try to interject it every chance I get, um, which is not much because people in the real world um, don't really care about God or religion. They're just like, oh, I'm, I'm religious and sure, I go to church and that's it. Then they're like, hey, did you catch that game? Or people who aren't religious, like that's even harder to work it into a conversation. But yeah, every chance I do where I, I feel like it's appropriate or, or um, it's not like absolutely forced than I do. So certainly I could do better. Um, good job, Pastor Mark, though. <laughs> oh, man, I, I need to do better, too. I mean, you know, all of us can improve on that. But, you know, there's a verse tucked away in Proverbs 1130. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls he is wise. And, you know, for me, I want to be a witness in my everyday walk of life. But it is hard, and we, we do need boldness, and we do miss opportunities, and we chicken out and things like that. So what I found that really is helpful is if I, okay, if we say, well, this is the most important thing about the Christian life. It's why Jesus left us here, so we could share the gospel with people and fulfill his great commission, see him baptized and discipled. But it starts with giving the gospel. So if that's the most important thing, well, anything that's important in your life, you schedule it in. And so what I've 
done for many, many years is I have a time each week set aside where I'm just going to go and talk to people about the gospel. Uh, I'll even go house to house and be mistaken for a Jehovah Witness, you know. <laughs> but, but I'm going to do that every week for, for this chunk of time. And then when I do, it helps me then to be soul conscious so that all through the week I'm thinking, hey, this is a person, they're even either bound for heaven or hell, and I, I got to at least share this with them, you know, and it helps. And man, I got to do better also. There's been some of our lunches in eight where I failed, but, um, you know, we all could improve. But if we set aside some time each week to do it, if you say, well, my church doesn't do that, I would say find a church that does because it's super important. Uh, Jesse, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I agree with that. I think that's good perspective. I'm trying to look for a specific verse, right? I think it's uh, 126 and 127, right? Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak to shame the strong. He chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not to bring about the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And yet he also says, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age, the rulers of this age. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. God decreed before the ages. And then he says, where is it? For we have not do to do to I just read it. Oh, the spiritual person judges birth. all things, right? So Paul quotes both in uh, Titus, he quotes Epimenides of Crete, and then in Acts 17, he quotes Epimenides of Crete. So I guess my encouragement would just be just although the gospel came to you in simplicity, right? Don't allow the simplicity of the gospel to become then a a kind of uh, crutch, right, that you lean on unreasonably, right? Don't let that become such a point of pride that then you don't see the value in Paul's reading of, of foreign materials to be able to understand how to treat the men of Aragopagus, right? You, you want to be able to extend beyond just the Bible as well so that in your ministry to those that are lost, you can approach them where they're at, right? For the emphasis of meeting someone where they're at, it is important that you follow the example of Paul and Christ, right? Where they're aware of these other materials, they understand the worldview and they can address the worldview such to show that there are no truths that are free from God. So I think that would be probably the best advice because there are many individuals that engage in like, and I'd say it's probably an unbiblical human philosophy Right, that is an extreme form of biblicism where people don't see the need of reading someone like Epimenides of Crete, whereas Paul clearly thought it valuable, worth his time, and acted as a bridge between him and those that he ministered to, he witnessed to through concerning well, the gospel mind, and concerning the death of Christ. I mean, different strokes for different folks, folks, right? I mean, you know, some people may be like a Paul and reason and things like that, others may be like a Peter who's like, 
yeah, man, uh, Jesus resurrected, repent and believe the gospel. This Paul guy talks way crazy stuff. So I, I also wouldn't, you know, disparage anyone. I, I know you're probably not. Um, I wouldn't disparage anyone for wanting to just be like, hey, just believe. Here's my testimony. We're overcomers by the word of our testimony in the blood of the lamb. Just re repent and believe. You know, I want the best for you. Um, and if they're like, well, what about this? And you, if you, you know, can't or won't uh, contend on, on like some sort of philosophical level, I think that's just fine because, I mean, look at look at the disciples. They didn't even agree on all this stuff. Like, you know, Peter's like, yeah, Paul talks about hard stuff to understand. Um, so if you want to be a Paul, great. If you want to be a Peter, great. If you want to be a hybrid, sure. Uh, Quentin, uh, do you have anything to say about this? You've been up here a while. Yeah, welcome, peace welcome. and blessings to everyone. Uh, good morning, Nate, and everyone on the um, platform. Just Connie, Apostle Tony, Jesse, Mark. Uh, and everyone. Yeah, I was just up here listening, man. And I would just say, keep it simple, man. Uh, keep it about Jesus. And remember, Clubhouse is only a class. It's school. It's testing and training ground. And whatever you don't know how to do, you can learn how to do it on Clubhouse. If you can't do it on Clubhouse, you're not ready for the real world. Uh, everything. You can learn it here. When people offend you, how can you get over that offense? When you get hurt, yay. Because if you can't do it here, you're not going to take it in the real world. You have to exercise. Yeah, like uh, Pastor Mark said, hey, go out there and talk to people every day. You have to exercise what God placed in you. We can talk about it, learn about it, go to school, learn how to exegete it. But if you don't walk it out, it means nothing at all. So you have to get over your fears by just doing this stuff. Sometimes you're going to fall. Get back up. You know, ministry is for that. Everything in that book is for us. So that's why I don't take everything serious. I look at everything when people are talking about me or doing this or I'm doing that. I mess up, get back up. But I need to take that into real world. How can I recover from everything that's taking place? But the bottom line is keeping it Jesus, him crucified, his death, burial and resurrection. That's at the end of the day, you have to learn how to do that. And this is a great place to learn how to do that with the likes and the dislikes with the different doctrines and all of this. We need to get all that. But at the end of the day, uh, we still focus on what we need to maintain our focus on. And that's Jesus Christ and what he did for sinners. And so, you know, exercise your gifts, exercise everything that you've learned. Learn how to talk to people, get over your fear, you know, uh, learn how to engage with people. Just, it's simplistic. You don't have to be super deep. Uh, like Paul, uh, you can be, like you said, you can be just like uh, like Peter, you know. Men, you don't have to have a lot of knowledge about a lot. Of, all you have to have knowledge about is Christ. And the Holy Spirit will work with you concerning the work of God. He'll bring to your remembrance what you need to say or what you need to do. If you have that word in you, you know, because sometimes you don't know what to do or how to do it, but it's always going to be the Holy Spirit who's going to lead you in the right direction into what to say. Because many times you don't have the knowledge like, uh, who's that? Like Brother Jesse or some of the other scholars. But I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit will drop in your spirit what to say and how to say it at that particular time. Because this is the dispensation that the Holy Spirit is operating in from the book of Acts, even until now. He's working, and he's working through believers to get the work uh, of God done. So, you know, I'm just thankful to even be in here. 
to be in this platform, in this room, amongst believers, as we all learn and grow together. Well, we're glad you're here. Uh, Quentin's talk and then Jesse's reading of 1 Corinthians 1 uh, reminded me, you know, about the God has chosen the weak things and the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And uh, reminded me of a time when I was in Michigan. At that time in my life, the Tuesday night was the time I had set aside to make sure I was going out and witnessing. And I had a guy with me that was super quiet, not any boldness. He knew the Lord is his Savior, and he knew he was supposed to witness. So he was coming out on Tuesday night just because he knew he was supposed to, but he was, you know, nervous about it and everything. And I said, well, I'll do the talking, you know, let's go. And um, we were in this, visiting this one guy, and he needed to know the Lord is his Savior. So I started out, and we did some small talk, and then I uh, started sharing some of the essential things about salvation from the Bible, you know. Uh, you know, how much does a person have to know? Well, to witness, you just have to know that you've been saved, that you've received Christ. Think about the woman at the well. She went back into the town and she just said, come see this guy. He told me everything I did. He's the Messiah. And then the Mar chapter 5, I think it's the maniac of Gadara, and he he wants to travel with Jesus, and Jesus says, no, go home to your friends and just tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you, uh, Mark 5, 19. So, you know, how much do you have to know? Not that much, but there is essential truth. You can't just say, hey, pray this prayer, add Jesus to your life, boom. No, I mean, the essential truth is we're sinners. We can't get to heaven on our own. That's why Christ died and paid the price for us. And we've got to trust him and him alone for our soul's salvation. And then you show that from the scripture, and that's power. So anyway, I was out on Tuesday night, and I, sh I went through all this with this guy. And, you know, I gave this uh, so-called perfect gospel presentation, you know. And, and at the end, I said, you know, so would you like to receive Christ as your Savior? And he's like, well, nah, nah, I don't know. Well, this quiet guy with me. He had just been sitting there, and I think he'd been praying silently for the Lord to work in this other guy's heart. And he had never said anything. He just went out, but he would never say anything. Well, this time he spoke up, and real soft-spoken, he just simply said, he just, he just gave his testimony. He said, hey, I used to think I could go to heaven by being good, and then I saw it in the Bible, and I asked the Lord to save me. Won't you do it too? And don't, wouldn't you know, that guy at the table said, yeah, I need to. <laughs> so here I gave this huge presentation. I reasoned with him out of the scriptures. And all that's essential. He's got to know certain things. But the thing that got through to him was the, the quiet guy who thought, I could, never, I could never be used to lead somebody to Christ. Yeah, the Lord just used him. And that guy ended up getting saved that night. So, you know, the Lord uses all types. And uh, we just got to go with what we can and trust him to use us as we proclaim his truth. Yeah, simple personal testimony. And, you know, um, also, uh, I have to say that, you know, for us, when we, this group of people that I was around, people, uh, I don't know, some people on this application say that you, you know, they're really strong on you can't hear the Holy Spirit. Well, 
I heard the Holy Spirit the moment I got saved, and um, so he would t- he would tell us uh, things to do, and we would do what he told us to do. But um, I I plan some now. I plan sometimes to uh, I if I hear somebody, and I don't care if they're in a restaurant, and and I hear somebody talking about my son's in prison or my nephew's in prison or something, and it happens a lot. I'll just turn around and ask him. And I, I said, would you mind if I uh, send you a Bible to send to him? Or uh, can I send a Bible in and um, to somebody in prison? And um, it's a way to get the word out. And there are simple things that, that you can do like that. Carrying a couple of good tracks in your pocket, just in case, you know, the, you know it's like almost being prepared to bring the good news helps in the following through. It it is sometimes scary uh, to meet somebody one to one, especially people close to you in your neighborhood. But I I just want to encourage my brothers and sisters. It's well worth it, and I love what Pastor Quentin said. This is a good place to practice um, giving your testimony um, here. I I believe if I. I'm not mistaken that it's the power of God in the book of Revelations is the testimony of the saints. So how you came to the Lord is powerful. And just sharing that real simple thing. Or, you know, uh, I have a friend and he actually took me out. um, I've known him since I was 22 to Venice Beach where there's uh, you can sleep on the beach all night. So if there's a place where kids hang out and you can just he he got a red wagon from a, a garage sale and he'd fill it full of water and he would just uh, go down the boardwalk and hand out water and the and the, and the gospel of Jesus Christ to anybody that wanted to listen. It, it doesn't really take much. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. All good stuff. Romans 1.16 fits here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And uh, sometimes you can talk about what does that mean to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Some people will think it means, you know, in our day, you know, we've got to have missions to the Jewish people first before we have any other missionaries that we support or something like that and of course Paul would go to the synagogues first when he went Um, but I almost look at it chronologically you know when you look at the New Testament it was to the Jew first but then as Paul goes on his missionary journeys it's also to the Greek so Paul said I'm not ashamed I'm going to take the gospel to everybody everybody's a candidate you know there's nobody that's uh, not a candidate for being witnessed to yeah Totally how I see it, too. Um, like a lot of times, like, you know, Hebrew Israelites or whatever will say, look, Jesus says he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm like, what's he say after that? He says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So, yeah, chronologically on our timeline, uh, yeah, the Jews got it first. And those who got it really got it. Those who didn't, you know, now it's our turn. Um, doesn't mean, you know, it, it, the time has passed by and the Jews can't. Of course they can, just like everyone else. But, you know, now... For those in Christ, there's no Jew, Gentile, Greek, male, female, any of that. Um, so, yeah, it came to the Jewish people first, and now it's available for everyone. 
uh, to be made disciples of out of the whole nation, all, all the nations. And then we got John 1, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So yeah, he, he came as their Messiah, but I'm so glad that the rest of us get to get in on that. Amen. Oh. <laughs> is that your wife yawning? Yes, that is my wife yawning. Is that you yawning? Get some coffee. She, I have earphones, so she can't hear you, but because uh, she's reading her stuff on the drive. But do you hear that? Uh huh. Do you want to talk to him, dear? I keep trying to get her on Clubhouse. She is um, an amazing pastor's wife, but she is a registered nurse and she works at a hospital. And she could do like Clubhouse things for like nurses. And she's like so funny. She tells incredible stories. You know, Connie's a good storyteller. Well, my wife is even better. And she's hilarious. She's kind of, remember those old Irma Bombeck books? My wife yeah, is cool. like audio Irma Bombeck, but I can't get her to tell her stories. But anyway. I've never heard of those books. Are they like fictional stories or? Uh, it's a lady. She just, she writes like anecdotal stories and put some books together. And uh, I guess I'm showing my age there, but yeah, she was, <laughs> she was really popular. Kind of, Kind of like a little bit longer stories than the chicken soup books. Oh, the chicken soup for the soul type things. Yeah, those kind of things. But she, Irma Bombeck wasn't Christian necessarily, but she's super humorous and gets the point across. A funny storyteller, my wife says. Well, anyone down there have anything else to uh, to say? Feel free to jump on stage, or maybe this is good enough today. Yeah, Mark. Nate, you um, you are the only thing that one of the few th persons that has allowed my wife to keep me on Clubhouse because she said, "You're talking to all those people. They're not even real." I said, "Hey, I've had lunch with some of these people. <laughs> they're real." And then, and then one guy from Connecticut was down here in Florida, and he actually visited our church. And I said, "See, they're real people, you know." Oh. <laughs> Wow, who was it from? Uh... Uh, he, I don't see him on here very much anymore. Is Patrick Martell? Patrick huh. Martell. See if you're following him, but he's he's a good guy, and went out to lunch after church, and um, yeah, he's very encouraging. How about Chris? I know I know we've said we were gonna like meet him a few times, but I don't think. Oh yeah. Have you actually met him? Oh, you have. Oh yeah, I've had. Uh, I've had a couple suppers with him, and then he yeah, actually. Yeah, I don't think he's real. <laughs> I, I went to Orlando for a meeting one time, and he um, met me for supper, and then he went to the meeting with me. And of course, his circles and mine are a little bit different, so he got to see my circles a little bit, and we had a good good time together. It was great, and then also, he got me in on their. Uh, Ligonier Conference, which is the big major conference for reformed people. And I, I went 
normally you have to pay a bunch of money, but he got me in free because his brother-in-law's up high in that group, I guess. And, uh, boy, I, I loved it. I mean, the music was great. The preaching was good. And I just kind of, they were all Reformed people, so they didn't have to harp on Calvinism at all, so I didn't have to listen to it too much. Cause, and the, stuff, the other stuff they were preaching was really good. The whole theme of the, of the three days was uh, contemporary issues, you know, dealing with, from the scripture, dealing with homosexuality. And you say three days? Yeah, it was like a th two or three day conference, yeah. Maybe it was two days, I can't remember. But I got a motel up there in Orlando and stayed up there. It was really good. That was a couple of years ago. So. Huh. Yeah, and I met, I met Bubby, he was at the conference. And um, another guy, did you ever, remember that 17 year old guy and he sounds like he's 35 and he's super, super uh, intelligent. Give me a few of them. Yeah, what was his like name college, on Clubhouse? Or... Yes, but he was like a homeschool kid, but he was oh. like super smart. And everybody thought he was 35 years old till he told <laughs> how old he was. And he was on Clubhouse. I, I, I haven't know. seen him lately. But anyway, you know, the reform guys in Clubhouse are the ones that actually brought Bubby from atheism to receiving Christ as his savior. So that's that's interesting, you know. The now a lot of the talk is, you know, all of them are going to hell or whatever. <laughs> it's like it's like people take the right position, but they take it for the wrong reason, and then and then they exaggerate things, and then when it gets exaggerated, it makes the correct position look bad because you're given the wrong reasons for the right position. So anyway. Yeah, man, it's, I don't know, it's weird. I mean, whenever people were, like, telling everyone they're going to hell, like, look, if you're as confident in what you say you believe as you are, um, just let it roll off your shoulders. Like, I mean, I get it doesn't sound fun to be told you're probably demon-possessed if you think that you are not. Um, but, I mean, if you're as confident in you, as in what you believe as you say you are, then you should say, like, okay, well, I'm glad you're not my judge. Um yeah, but like we said earlier, there's not, a, in this in the current debate, there's not a lot of this um, speaking the truth in love right now. It's, uh, it's people speaking what they believe is Bible truth, but they're mischaracterizing each other's side, and it's just, it's a mess. <laughs> and, and it's not really helping anything. But, you know, I was talking to a friend live and in person, and, um, oh, my goodness, I just saw a sign on the road for Black History Month, and that's fine. And I, I realized I used the same colors for that they're using for my theme for this year at our church. I didn't realize I used the same colors. So that's well, you're going to have Black History Year. There we go. There we go. We got a couple really good godly folks in our church who are black and don't even think about it. I mean, I'm colorblind. Apparently, anyway. saying colorblind is the new mark of being a white supremacist mark. Just saying. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what MSNBC tells us. Um, yeah. But, but really, man, I, I like it is crazy, right? Because also, what I'm about to say is the new mark of white supremacy. Like when you hear, like th there is a clip. Someone was talking about it. Um, 
because it's Black History Month. So, you know, the most popular quotes of Martin Luther King Jr. are are um, are being played. And I heard it. And like no matter how much I hear that, I just think, what is wrong with people's heads? Like this is should be a universal point. The content of character, not the color of skin. And apparently, you know, people with a certain skin color can't quote uh, him anymore, or that's bad. Um, but balderdash to that. Yes, I can, and yes, I will. That is a great, uh, great message. And if people would just do that, there would not be, um, you know, 90% of the problems. The problem is the content of people's character is really crappy. So, you know, people of all kinds have really crummy character. Um, so it is not, um, you know, the skin color of any group. Um, it is the content of their character. So, you know, get get the most diverse, you know, color palette of people you can and, you know, throw me somewhere in the middle. I mean, I, I'm not exactly a pale white translucent Viking, um, but, you know, I'll, I'll be somewhere in there. Um, and if their character is good, wonderful. Let's all be friends. Let's celebrate. Let's have a party. If their content is crummy, no discrimination. Be gone. Get away from me. Get out of my circle. Get out of my orbit. Um, it's just such a simple point. And, um, man, some people have an agenda and they can't have that because it's too simple and too easy and they have to peddle hate because that's where their paycheck comes from. Um, or I don't know, maybe people really are just that ignorant. Uh, yeah, uh, Mark. Well, you know what's really powerful is when someone who is uh, black will say the same things that you just said and they totally agree with you because they have some character and they're thinking reasonably and... You know, just like you said, there's bad eggs and everything, and every uh, color, there's there's good eggs in every one too. You know, it's like it it, it really has nothing to do with uh, a person. You know, it's just you know the color of their skin, and biblically, well, of course, there's one race, the human race, and Acts 17, I think it's 26, he hath made of one blood all people, and so. That's that's the way we need to look at it. It's and one of the things that's helping is the fact that over the last uh, number of decades now, uh, even Christians have finally gotten past their prejudice about marrying between races and things. Um, I think that's really helped a lot because now we're starting to realize, hey, skin color is just a just a genetic thing it's not it, it doesn't change anybody you know um well i want to say hi to mike real quick but we have joshua oh welcome back d um we have joshua in chat so we'll see how this goes saying you are racist by nature it's not evil so before we talk to joshua um michael welcome let's hear what you have to say on this and then joshua uh michael i guarantee is whiter than me so direct your comments toward him michael what's up <laughs> Yeah, for sure I'm whiter than you. If I, if I was any more white, I'd be clear. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I find myself in, in a fair amount of agreement with what Mark said. Um, I, I saw someone wearing this shirt, and I'm trying to find this shirt. Um, it's It had uh, basically had a, a, color skin, a color scheme going from white, or not really white, but, you know, kind of like pale pink like most Caucasians are, all the way to very dark brown. And it said human race, and human was H-U-E-M-A-N. And I love that shirt, and I'm trying to find it. Um, I have a. I also, 
I also have a T-shirt that has um, that has a skull that has a like a, a modern Homo sapien skull and then less modern Homo sapien than you know um, uh, like um, Australopithecine skull and then but they eventually morph into the shape of the continent of Africa. <clears throat> And the caption of the shirt says, we are all African. And I wear, which is of course just genetic fact. Um, every like homo sapien came from sub-Saharan Africa. Just, that's just fact. Um, and I remember wearing that shirt once and I was out and uh, a person of color approached me and said, you know, what does that shirt mean? And I explained the same thing. I say, I explained the same thing that I just said uh, to you. And and they just kind of looked at me and then like, didn't respond, just kind of looked at me and then walked away. And I looked at that as a, as a successful interaction. Nate, back to what you said about content of character. I completely agree with that. Um, I think that, um, to what Mark said about being colorblind, uh, it's a, it's an, it's a wonderful sentiment and I wish I could, I could agree with it, but I don't, I do my best to be, to be colorblind and, I realize, and here's, you know, this will be the triggering word for the morning, but because of my wokeness uh, and, and the actual meaning of that, meaning that, you know, the understanding of the, the, the differences and things like that and trying to do your best to repair them, recognize and repair them, um, I do my best to be colorblind, understanding that I fail most of the time. Um, oh, and I think oh. I've lost track of most of the other stuff that was said, but uh, that, might, that might be enough to start a fire. Yes. Uh, well, I, let me just throw this out there. Colorblind is the dumbest thing ever. Like, I colorblind is is the wokest. It's it's stupid. I'm a woman. I want to be identified as a woman. I'm not tall. I'm okay with that. I'm a black woman. I love that about myself. We should. It's not about being colorblind. It's just about people being human. I don't. I'd, I'd like to. I I pride myself on being a black woman. Like I, when I hear people say colorblind. It's, it, it gives like you a man, you not a woman, just because you put a dress on. It, gives, it gives racism. It does. Like, so don't that woke talk, leave it alone, Michael. Don't try to be colorblind. I admire people. Like, there's black, very dark skinned black women who have the most beautiful skin. I'm admiring that as a very dark skinned black woman. That's a, you know what I'm saying? So it's okay. You don't have to be colorblind. It's, it's the oh, yeah. I, I think D, I think, I think perhaps, the, I, I think perhaps I didn't speak correctly because I said, I don't agree with the sentiment. Oh, okay. Great. And yeah, yeah stay like yeah, that. I, I think I misspoke. <laughs> I apologize. Okay. And let me, uh, let me, cause uh, you know, Joshua may have some interesting things based on chat to say. So I'd like to see what he has to say, but uh, Michael, I'm, I'm reminded kind of like a take on your shirt with the skull. It had like, uh, it had like six different skulls. And it, they were all the same, like a human skull. And it was it was basically all the races. It's like, you know, uh, white, indigenous, black. And it just went through, like, different races and, you know, showing how, you know, everyone's got the – we're all human. Uh, yeah, Joshua, I've, seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that too, yeah. What is up? Hey, I'll be back in, like, two minutes. I have to write this email up real quick. Hold on. All right. Yeah, I'd like to chime in and say I agree with everything that – D said there and I didn't I guess I didn't mean the word in the same way as maybe people take it today um, one example for me I just recently uh, a couple asked me if I could marry them and uh, we have certain things that we do or don't do in order for 
me through our church to marry folks. And, you know, they met all the, all the requirements we have. And so I was starting to do the counseling sessions, the premarital counseling sessions. And I was like three sessions in before it even dawned on me that I hadn't even thought about whether, you know, the one, the guy was black and the girl was white. It, it wasn't a thing. I mean, it's just, they're just people and it's great. I mean, and so we had a wonderful wedding. So I, I guess that's what I mean. I'm not saying that you don't, just like when you identify people, well, he's the short guy or he's the tall guy. Well, he's the white guy. You know, that, that's fine. So, and, and you can appreciate, you know, people for what they are. So I totally agree with D, everything D said there. And uh, maybe I just need to word my things better or something. So feel free to help me. Oh, no, I was actually I wasn't speaking on, on that. It's just more so when people say, I don't see color. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's, and I'm not saying this is what you were saying, Mark. It was more so people who just, it's like a, it's still an appreciation. You can appreciate things. It's, it's, there's beauty in color. Like our Heavenly Father gave us different colors in all these different creations, the peacock, the this, the that. Um, it's that when people say, you know, you know, because even though on the superficial level there, I know what they're saying. It's like, I treat people, I just treat people well because I just treat people well. Just say that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just very tongue in cheek to say that. And again, Mark, I don't think that's what you were saying. It's just when I hear colorblind or, you know, it just brings up those connotations. That's all. Yeah, because yeah, it's like two on the it's like two on the nose, right? It's like because uh, they're I mean, by the way, Stephen Colbert used to say that all the time. Let's not forget. <laughs> Just saying. So, you know, attack him. He sucks. But um, he used to be like, oh, I'm colorblind. I'm colorblind. Um, but it's, it's such like a, a talking point. This and it's such a, a, a lie. Right. So it's kind of like one of those things like, you know, perception is reality. It's not correct. So if someone tries to say, well, what I really mean by that. OK, fair enough. But. Unless you're going to like go on a nuance uh, crusade to, to explain it away, uh, not talking about you, Mark, but uh, you know for, for uh, well I guess um, you know that sentiment, it's like well obviously you clearly see color, so it's like hey I'm meeting Mike at, at dinner date, Mike where are you? I'm in I'm in this crowd, uh, you know everyone looks the same um, except they're all white. Like I'm black guy, I don't see color. Where are you? It's like dude I'm standing here. I'm the only black guy. It's like I don't see color. Like, yes you yes you do yes you do. <laughs> um, but I, so I, I get the sentiment and I think it's fine, but I mean, it's like one of those, one of those things, which means Mark now has to like the perceptions reality thing. What, what was the other quote, Mark, uh, that said you, um, oh, it's not what you say. It's just in the way. <laughs> yeah. So D that's, that's helpful because, you know, like in this idea of perception reality is, you know, I mean one thing when I say it, but if everybody or almost everybody in the whole world thinks I mean something different, then I need to change the way I say it. Now, the only exception to that is Bible terminology, but of course, uh, the term colorblind is not Bible terminology. So if that means something different to everybody else than what I mean by it, then I need to not say it that way. So so that's very helpful. I appreciate that. You, you, you could just say it how the Bible says it. would be like... Um... For I see, there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no male, there is no female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. 
Well, there's safety in using the scripture, right? You you can't be wrong if you're quoting the scripture. Yeah, and if someone has a problem with the scripture, then be like, all right, well, I'm being persecuted for Jesus, not for my own mind. <laughs> yeah, Michael, and then we'll see what the other guys have to say. Yeah, there's an interesting um, when uh, when I sometimes having uh, disagreements with someone. And, uh, you know, because we sometimes will say things that we, we don't mean, right? Or, or the words co don't come out the right way. And uh, so one of the things that I like to say, and this is not my mine originally, I got it from my wife, who, again, I'll say is one of the smartest people I've ever known. Um, she said, if I say something to you, and it can be taken two ways, if one of them upset you, I meant the other one. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Joshua, are you back yet? Just check, checking in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm back. Sorry, guys. No, so, um, I mean, your your chat um, was that like I have a feeling you were serious, but is there any clarification or um, when you said, let's see, um, you are racist by nature? It's not evil. Um, is you meaning white people, or what is you meaning, or is that like a well, I was, moment? I'm, I, I was speaking in general for at you as in everybody, but so. Like in, in the world? Yeah. Okay. I, I believe all races are, are uh, you know, all races are racist, you know, to an extent, only because I believe that it is ra racism as we understand it, although it can be a, a very complex um, idea. Um, I think it's instinct is an instinct. You know, I feel like we tend to forget or we like to try to forget the fact that we are um, of this earth. We are of nature. We are, you know, we are we, we are natural. And so with that said, we do have instincts and, you know, being racist and having that kind of discernment um, has led us to where we are today. You know, it's a survival mechanism. And, you know, if you tell me otherwise. You know, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe it. I feel like people try to, um, try to make excuses for why they aren't this and why they aren't that only because they truly recognize the fact that they are racist. You know, I've seen people, um, switch, you know, on the, on the moment's notice, um, when it came down to race, you know, and picking sides and, you know, and it all comes down to where you feel most most comfortable and um, who you identify with the most. And most people identify with people of the same race. You know, if I if I presented two buses um, to you and asked you to, you know, get on a bus and one was filled with white people and one was filled with black, you know, most people are going to choose the bus that have that has the same race, you know. So, you know, that's that's all I, I'm saying. It's not evil. It's just an instinct. So, so I, I <clears throat> that helps clarify things. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, to an, to an extent, I get what you're saying, but I, I would say that can't be, I would challenge that could be across the board for everyone because, you know, when people go to, like a, a base, like herd mentality, like, you know, a group, like what keeps people safe, you know, running from dinosaurs or, you know, from roaming marauders, like, you typically want to be homogenous and like go to what's most like you. Um, so like when people go to prison, the first thing they do is, you know, <laughs> you know, team up by race. 
That's the first thing they do. Are you like speaking you, you, from experience, Nate? He's right. I used to I used to work in the prison. I was on the right side of the bars. Um. Anyway, I, I've been <laughs> to prison, um, so I I know I know from experience. But yeah, so like there, that is completely cool. Well, again, you can't say 100%. I'm sure there's someone somewhere that just stays out of all of it. But, I mean, that, that's where it goes because it, like, resets back back to, like, the primitive, most base stuff because that's where you are. You're in prison. You're reset from society and civilization back to, like, the most primitive base uh, metrics. But for those who, you know, are have more of an evolved mentality and are on the outside world where you've had the benefit of all this other stuff and enlightenment, um, I would say if some degree – I would challenge that it can't be for everyone because I guarantee, uh, you know, if I have the benefit of, of, you know, knowing stuff, right? Like working in the prison, um, you know, there are, if someone's like, Hey, uh, you're on patrol, you got to go with a black cop or white cop, pick, pick one. Um, I'll be like, okay, well, I know this black guy and you know, he's my friend. He's really good. He's a good officer. He's got my back. This white guy is a piece of crap. He'll let me die. I'm like, no. Um, so, so I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I would challenge that it would be across the board for everyone at all times. I think what I think what he's saying is that like, if you didn't know neither one and maybe they didn't ask you that, but I guess like if you walk in a room of a party and you know, you're a black person from a black person's perspective, um, I'm scanning the room, you know what I'm saying? And if we're partying, maybe I might just gravitate closer to going towards where the black people are because I know there'll be an instant, you know, relation, connection, culture. I think that's what he's more so saying. Like, just like the relation, the culture in certain aspects um, may be similar. Maybe right. No, no. But, no. Hey, if, I was, if I met you for the first time and, you know, it was a mixed room and I, I knew you right were there. and say hi. I would come up and be like, Nate, ah, what's up? And talk to you probably for the whole night. You know what I'm saying? Because I know you. But if I don't know you, I probably gravitate to what I know, even if it's an unknown. So I did that. All right, let me try this. This is the last one. And then I'm going to stop apologizing. (laughs) This is the last one I got. Um, Taking what you said, sure. Um, If if we don't know anything except first glance, um, because this is like a a real life thing, I, 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 I don't know. I put my weight on humanity on this one. Um, if you're walking down the road and, you know, like where people cross the road because someone coming at them is so scary um, or, or whatever, if you just see two people and one of them, you know, by appearances, so it's not just the color of their skin, but undoubtedly, if, you, if you're going to see them, you're going to see some other things about them. So if someone, I, I pretty much smile like a, like a dummy, like whenever I just see completely random people, I'll say, like, oh, hey, 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 or do a little head nod or a cheesy smile or something like that. It's just my, just how I am. Um, I try to tamp it down, but I, I just usually nod or smile or do a corny wave to, to whoever I pass. If I'm like coming through them in a door, but like, oh, hey, 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 just that type of thing. Um, and then, so anyways, whenever I do that and people of all kinds, especially like when I go to Tampa, you, you get the whole gambit. Um, people who do that back, I'm like, oh, great. Okay. Friendly person. Nice smile. They reciprocated other people who don't, they just like mean mug me and just stare at me. Like they want to like, you know, like whatever, stab me or something. I'm like, gosh, darn. So anyways, I I would say the only, the only remaining, um, argument I'll put is like that. If there's like, you know, white guy and a black guy, you know, uh, black guys like, you know, smiles and happy. The white guy is just like staring like they want to like just eat me or vice versa. Um, you know, 
whoever looks happier <laughs> or, or more more peaceable, that's who I'm going to hang out with. Um, that's all I got. What, what, what's I, I interesting like from this. that? Sorry, just before I sorry. Just uh, yeah, Michael and then Bowl, and then we'll get to random. Yeah, just super quickly because I'm I'm not that smart, and I'll I'll lose my train of thought. Um, I, I have to agree with Joshua on this one because and and it and it stems back, <laughs> although you won't like the reasons why I'm about to agree with you. It stems <laughs> back to uh, it stems back to evolution, right? We 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 will tend to group together uh, with ones that are like us and and stay away from others that are not like us. And, and th this is true. Like you, you can see this going back through uh, evolutionary time, through, through species. And this is true not only of the human animal, but of other animals, right? It, like if, if a gazelle is, you know, you know trouncing across the savanna, it's not going to go buddy up with a bunch of lions for any reason. And th that sounds like an extreme example. But it, but it's it, it's it's evident. So I, I have to agree with Joshua on this one. And Mo, yes. uh, don't don't run away, Mo, because I uh, what well, I, I I want everyone to give their thoughts on this. But then before I have to go, Mo, there is a political hot button issue I, I want to get your take on. Uh, but yeah, let's let's finish this Ready. up. Um, I, I would say, also I, I agree with Michael and I guess Josh. But what does most like us mean? And when you say a gazelle and a lion, those are different species. Um, humans are we saying most like automatically has to be color? Um, I, I, again, you, I, I would just leave that challenge there. But Mo, go ahead and then an random. Yeah, I'll right, give Mo. you a good example. So I, this isn't something I've thought too much about. Um, but it does seem that, that what Joshua and, and Michael are saying is is true at some level because, like, tribalism, like, you know, if, if you have a tribe, and, you know, you're, someone else, a, a, a person from another tribe comes walking around, you might be a little suspicious at first, right, until you get to know them and go, okay, this is a good person. But I think, like, with the party example, we – like imagine a different party where it's um, you have a group of people that are 30 and up or maybe 40 and up in my case, right? It could be black people, white people, Asian, whatever, a group of 40 and up. And then you have a bunch of like teenagers. Okay. Like, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm going to go with the, the group that's my age. So I think we, I think we filter like who we, uh, you know, based on maybe appearance, maybe based on socioeconomic classes, based on age, based on, all kinds of things, you know, like if I see a bunch of people that are, you know, like a bunch of kids, I, I probably don't have much in common with them other than I have, you know, I, my, I'm teenagers myself, but do you know what I mean? Like, I think we're going to find, and we kind of relate to people that are maybe like in our, that happen to be like in, a, in that kind of tribe, like there's different tribes, maybe not all are, you know, at some level, sure. Race might be a tribe, and, but I think like, you know, money to tribe, and, you know, all, all those kinds of things. Like, it, that's kind of like how I, I think of it. And, but I think the tragedy and for people that can't see, you know, beyond like giving people in, in the other tribe, a chance is that, is that you may lose out on, you know, like learning something or becoming friends with someone that you, you know, just because of your, a, a weird tribal belief that, and, and maybe it is something that you can't, um, at some level you can't avoid, but, but you should try to avoid if it's, if it's a thing. No, uh, random. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Well, um, I was just gonna say really quick. I don't know who started this, but I appreciate um the person who um brought to light that this is not something that is learned, but something that is ingrained. So, Nate, you mentioned earlier that um people who have 
um, who are of a higher conscious or more intellect. I'm not sure how you put it, but um, you said people who are more evolved maybe um, yeah, can sure. can think differently, and you know, and they don't necessarily have to take color or race into account when when you know meeting someone. But I want you to also recognize when you have this thought that um, a lot of who we are as much as we don't want to believe it, a lot of who we are is dictated by our DNA, right? And our DNA has been around for hundreds of thousands of years if we believe science. And um, and with that said, modern society, modern civilization has been around for, we. I won't, I won't even put a number on it, but, you know, the fraction is, is 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 very dramatic compared to how long we have actually been here. So our instinct will always, as long as we're alive at least, will always um, outshine or um, will always be stronger than what we think we are intellectually. Hey Joshua, yeah, I, I think, think, the, I think a lot of this. The, well, yeah, racism ahead, is definitely. I think a lot of racism is definitely taught. Go on, a, you know, go play some video games with, you know, where there's a lot of random people talking. And, you know, you're, you're going to hear. I, I heard a kid the other day. He, he could have been more than eight years old. And he was spouting all this racist shit. Yeah, sure. Like, no, I believe think, that. You know, you know what I mean? Like, they, it's just crazy. Like, my kids would never say yeah, stuff like but that. But that's and the. These kids are just dropping. That's the more complex know. side of racism. That's the, that's the complex side. Because. What I'm talking about is instinctively, um, like if without predisposed, um, you know, ideas. So I don't, I don't know if I'd call that racism necessarily, though. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. What? I, I see. What, I know. You're, no, I know what you're talking about. And I agree. No, when no, people, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about have... the foundation of the choice itself. So why do people have this behavior? You know, I'm not talking about the complexity of the behavior. You know what it can manifest into. I'm talking about in its simplest understanding, where does that come from? Right. And we're created in the image of God and God chose Israel. <laughs> That's why we racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's tribalism though, Joshua, is what it yeah. is at some at some level. Maybe, yeah, and, and maybe I, the I, tribe I, is based on race, but it could be other things. You know what I mean? Well, like, well I mean the well, yeah, I mean it's like I mean, what was it like New Guinea? Like, here's some Big Bang Theory trivia for you. Like, <laughs> in like New Guinea, like you know, there's a story how there's this, uh, you know, in the tribe, the same race, the same homogenous tribe, how you know arrogance is looked down upon. So, you know, if if someone like goes out and hunts and like flaunts their kill and like brags about it, you know, they would like strip the skin from him and like make a drum out of his skin and bang it to drive away the evil spirits. So, I mean, there's plenty of stuff that even within a homogenous culture um, set them apart because you know you just keep whittling it down. To be to find the people who are most like you. That's like Christians, right? The Christian tribalism going on right now in Clubhouse, um, which I guess this is the only room that tries to not have it. Um, thank you, Lord. It's like now that Clubhouse botched their system, so like it's not as easy for Muslims, atheists, Israelites, whatever to find us. That it's pretty much all the Christians of some sort that just follow follow this place, and they're only able to find each other. So what happens? Well, you know, before the Catholics and you know. Uh, uh, Protestants and to a degree and Arminians and Calvinists would all like join together under, uh, you know, against the arguments of atheists or Muslims. Well, now Muslims left. Now we're in fights Catholics. Now Catholics left. 
So now it's uh, Arminians and Calv uh, Calvinists who actually were pretty chill as long as I've seen on an internet forum for like eight months. Now it's like death. Like they're calling each other demons and devils and not saved and going to hell. So you keep whittling down until you find the very, very small group that is as close to you as possible. So yes, tribalism, but you know, the, the goal is for survivability and re reproduction and stuff like that. So if color is all you got, fine. But then if you, all your colors the same, you're going to keep whittling it down to other characteristics and other characteristics. Right. Uh, you know, for me, I'm just going to say, you'll have to put me in the, and I got to let random speak. Um, but I'm just going to say, you know, to get the accurate answer, you're going to, you know, like so many things, we would all have to be in that situation, but I'm just willing to bet my bottom dollar. If I was a gambling man, I'm not, I'm not lucky that if you put me in a mixed race room and you know, everyone's in little pods, I don't care what the colors are. I'm going to go to the people who look like they want to murder me least. So if I try to, if I smile at someone and, you know, like certain groups are like, Hey, what up? Head nod. What up? Blah, blah, blah. Um, that's where I'm going. If other groups, even of my own race or closest race to me, um, are just staring daggers through me, I am not going through them. My survivability says otherwise. Um, so I, I get there's a point to it, but random, you've got to speak random. Uh, you, you're the only one that hadn't said anything. If you want to speak. Well, oh, I think I. Sorry, I. Uh, I was trying to find the the button. I I'm on the I'm on the tribalism train, and I think that, especially how racist and racism is currently used, it is it is my thought that it's better to more accurately describe things as a predilection towards tribalism than really a predilection towards racism. And I guess I disagree. Jamesy, uh, Jamesy over there in chat or in uh, down there, you have the P PTR of the day. <laughs> That's great. Uh, go ahead, Josh. Well, yeah. Um, remember when people used to smoke? Like you'd, you'd be like, oh yeah, here's you'd go find the smokers or the drinkers or you you find the people that you want to be around for multiple reasons. You, you know what I mean? Like it's not just like I don't want to like if I go to a a wedding and I see a bunch of people that look like they all like are not interesting or you know whatever reason i'm, I'm not gonna hang out with those people are all single no. and unloved you'll go to them oh <laughs> i'm gonna go sorry. to the bar i'm gonna go to the bar and those are usually the people that i want to talk to like the people that are interesting that, are, that have something to say hey nate and mo yeah i hey guys i i can really appreciate what you guys are saying right but um and i'm sure um you know people like you exist everywhere but by the masses and what we experience every single day, especially me, right? Um, as a black man in America, I experience ra racism in a in a magnitude of different ways, and um, it's not. It doesn't necessarily. No one is necessarily saying, "Hey, just because you're black," but it's always the underlying reason. So yeah, maybe you won't choose. Or maybe you'll choose to smoke with a, a a group of people who are smoking. But if there were, like, let's just say, if there were two groups of people smoking, one group was white and one was black, you'll naturally, without having, you know, without knowing anybody, you're naturally going to gravitate towards the white group. And that's just, that's what I'm trying to say. That's what it is. That's what it, it comes down to. Yeah, there is, racism is complex, but at its foundation, right, if it, it it's always always comes down to color because that's the most obvious 
thing that that separates See, all would, of us. So, uh, well, hang on. Well, right? well, hang on. What? Well, yeah, and I'd say, I mean, you know, definition of terms, right? So, so is it inherently showing, you know, favoritism or lack thereof because of a specific race or color? Um, so, I mean, you can nuance it that you can say, okay, here's my definition of the word, fine. Uh, Joshua, okay, fine. I'll, I'll give you that. It, all things being completely equal, the only thing being a difference of color. Um, fair enough point, I guess, to get, you know, me or Mole's actual answer. Uh, put us in that situation and let's see what happens. Um, I, I guess that's how we'll test that. Um, right. But, that's uh, it. Uh, so, so I do have, um, before I go, a, a little political question. Uh, Mo, it's great you're here. Um, everyone's going to run away now, probably. But it's not a big one. But I just saw how um, everyone is lighting their hair on fire because apparently Tucker Carlson like uh, went to Europe and got an uh, interview from uh, President Putin. And everyone is like losing their minds. Apparently, um, Ukraine has put them him on their kill list for daring to speak to Putin. Um, have you heard of that, Mole? What are your thoughts on that? And by the way, apparently the uh, interview comes, about, apparently it's released tonight at six p.m. Eastern time. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going to watch it because why wouldn't I? But I mean, what? What do you have any thoughts on that? Does anyone have any thoughts on that? Like, I, I mean, we probably I all love agree. Tucker. Yeah, I like him cool. too. Yeah. Just the fact that they're, they they put him on a freaking kill list because he dared to sit. Like you remember 30, 40 years ago when like Barbara Walters and like you know um, Walter Cronkite or all these like top journalists, they interviewed the most awful people on the planet. Hitler had interviews. Um, you know they interviewed like you know the the different um, you know sultans or leaders or whoever we're in at war with. Gaddafi got interviews. Like hardcore war criminals got interviews. Um, just so, you know, these war correspondents, these like journalists could, I, I guess, do a human piece on them, whether it was good or whether it was bad. Um, and it, it got all the information out there. So um, now apparently that's like the worst thing on earth you can possibly do. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's it's indicative of a lot of things like people get triggered because, you know, they have this cognitive uh, dissonance that they don't want to get exposed. And maybe. Maybe they're worried like Tucker's going to bring out something in Putin that they don't want to hear or something. Maybe I don't know. Like it just seems like people. If if you're not the people getting triggered about it, then it's kind of silly. Like I always think more information is better. I let me decide on my own. You know, give me all the facts. And, you know, he's he's still probably a war criminal, but I mean, I just want to. It'd be interesting to hear the conversations. Oh, yeah, and it's not like he's saying, like, hey, you're, you know, hail Putin, you're wonderful. Like, like, who knows what he's going to say? But, I mean, you know, he's known for asking tough questions. We'll go right to you, Michael. But, I mean, he's known for asking tough questions. So, I imagine he'll be like, hey, do you have people murdered? Hey, um, so I'm sure he's not going to be, you know, super easy. But he's, and that's the thing. Like, I want to discern, you know, stuff myself. I don't want other fact checkers to incorrectly fact check things because of their bias and opinion. Like, I'm sure, you know, Putin's not going to be like, not going to admit to anything horrible and then it'll be up to the people to decide if he's telling the truth or if he's lying like i don't need a third party i mean if someone wants to give me like unbiased evidence and let me look at the data fine sure do that more is better but if someone's going to like have a slant and be like no no you can't do that um yeah michael i'm excited to hear what you're going to say will you, will you watch the interview provided that your uh, countrymen don't ban the internet access to it <laughs> Um, when I watched the interview, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily tuned in live just be from a timing perspective. I can't, I don't know what else is going If it's 6.30 today, maybe. Um, but I mean, I mean, inter like inter interview the people you want to interview, it's fine. 
But to say it, it might not not might not necessarily be fair to say he got the interview with with, with Putin, because there have been many other international journalists um, that have asked to interview him and he has turned them down. Um, so and Carlson is not exactly what I call an investigative journalist. Um, I think he's he's not going to lob softballs at Putin. He's going to lob beach balls at Putin. Um, he will not. He will not. Ask, <laughs> yeah. He will. He will not ask him a question that is going to put his life in danger. Um, like you know, did you have people killed? Because that might be it. Like that might be enough. Because bro, Putin he is, would. Bro, because Putin is a war criminal. because Putin is because Putin is a war criminal. That might be enough to get Tucker killed, and I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Um, oh. Oh, so, th- th- yeah. So those are those are those are my thoughts. I, uh, I don't put Tucker Carlson in very high esteem. Yeah, I know Dean was going to chime in, but before she does real fast, I'd say, I, I mean, again, like it's, the very first point I think we made today was it's not what you say, it's just in the way. So I imagine, you know, you, you could not put him on the spot and be like, did you have them killed? Did you have them killed? I mean, you may get some poison in your food. But I imagine if you're like, uh, like, you know, if you start blowing up the interview, like, you're a liar, you're a liar, blah, blah, blah. That may not be bad. But if you're like, hey, did you have those people killed? Of course he's going to say no. And then, you know, just be like, Thank you for your answer. Let's move on. Like unemotionally, just get the answer, even if you think it's all lies. And, you know, the world will decide, oh, based on his explanation, hey, that sounds plausible. Or no, he's lying through his teeth. Um, anyways, uh, D, what's up, D? Uh-oh. D, did you unhook a wire? We hear some crackling. Oh, no. Uh, D, if you can hear us, we can't hear you. Uh, maybe unplug or plug something back in. Uh, Joshua, what are you going to say in the meantime? I was going to say, <clears throat> Tucker Carlson, this is not what I was going to say, but I will say this. Tucker Carlson is, to me, one of the most logical and rational people um, I've ever seen. I mean, he just is he just always makes sense. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why people hate him so much. I, I think my only my biggest well, problem with him is answered, whenever he you just said why they hate him, Joshua. Yeah, I, I can, uh, I can my, specify my big, why I don't like him. Well, my biggest problem with him is his maniacal laugh, like when he's trying to make a joke, or he's like, ah! yeah. I'm like, okay, oh, dude, okay, come on, calm God. down, calm down. But I like everything else. Uh, yeah, random. Tell us why you don't like him, and then D, maybe you got your stuff fixed. Yeah, yeah. So, so the way that he presents things uh, is is just dishonest. Um, not, I, I'm not going to say always. But uh, oftentimes, uh, in, from what I have seen, the way that he presents things is dishonest. Now, that being said, I'm very interested in this interview. Um, I'm, I'm certainly going to watch it at some point. Um, just letting people speak for themselves, even if they're lying to everybody, I think it works really well. I think the case in point is Donald Trump, and I love watching Donald Trump interviews because of he's just there speaking of for himself. Uh, and it works really well against Trump. So uh, I'm I'm really interested to watch uh, Putin speak against himself. And see, I guess I would you know disagree that uh, you know Trump letting him speak for himself hurts himself or whatever. But I, I agree that you know let everyone speak for themselves. So fine. I mean you know I think um, well I mean it was like straight down the middle, right? Like about half and half. Um, I don't know how much has changed now. I'd like to think it's more, but I mean, you know, letting people speak for themselves and make up your own mind. I mean, I don't know how you come to that conclusion, but you don't know how I come to my conclusion. So 
Uh, D, you want to see if you got your stuff working? Oh, no, what have you done? Just, like, unplug your headset and plug it back in or, or reconnect or restart Clubhouse or something. She's on the phone. You had to say before. Oh, it so says she's on the phone? But she unmuted and there was a stop. Oh, I, no, I think she's on the moon. Hey, Can you hear me now? Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah, what'd you do? Uh, I don't know. You know, you get into this Bluetooth situation with your car. You got to push all the buttons. Oh, you got real quiet. I hate that. I never figure it out. Right. It's like, what's going on with the buttons? Well, pretty much what I was saying, it's either going to be really great or it's going to be trash. You know, I'm, I just, because he, he's supposed to be known for having these hard hitting questions where the Democrats can't answer him. If he looks soft, then it's going to pretty much, you're not going to be able to take him seriously anymore on both sides. Like, you know, I'm not saying he needs to ask like, you know, where are the bodies, but <laughs> he has to be able to ask questions that, that are investigative, that are, that brings to the table some things that people really want to know, you know? Um, so I, I also feel like anytime they're trying to, um, find ways to not allow people to hear everybody's perspective, I find that to be very suspect. Um, we're in an age of information. Let the information flow. And I think, like, was it Random or Mo said, you know, if you're a liar, you know, let us hear it. Let, let us let us make our own determinations based off of what you said. So um, that's my opinion about that. But I also want to say, Nate, did you talk about the immigration bill? Um Oh my gosh, I could talk. I haven't, but I, I could talk forever about that. Oh my gosh. What's going on with your people, Nate? Okay. Bye, guys. Not knowing what anyone has heard or thinks of this, and I haven't read the entire bill because it's massive, like they all are, but from what other people have read and shown, like on, you know, like like shown copies of it, like the, the, how they zoom in and, you know, show, show the actual parts they're talking about so you can see that it is in the bill. I mean, unless they're just absolutely lying, but I don't believe network TV is like saying, hey, this is the bill, and it's totally not. So anyway, I heard interviews of Republicans who are not my people. They're just I, – I, gosh, usually you just say they're less evil, but at this point I don't even know. I guess technically on paper they're less evil, but they are not my people. Um, conservative, yes. Republican, oh, man, they're ugh, monsters. <laughs> Slime. Anyway, um, okay, so what I have heard on interviews where like, you know, Republicans are inter interviewing other Republicans who are not supporting this bill. And they say things like, well, look, it does this and it does this. And you just think these other Republicans are just like rhinos or shills or whatever, because like one of the guys, I, I don't remember any of the names, but maybe you can help me out. But basically one, one network interview I was watching, it was this uh, host who I cannot stand because they're just, they're basically a liberal as long as the day is. Um, but they say the Republicans. So he's like, why don't you want this? Look, it's helping people. It's giving you border security. Yeah, you got a mutiny. Oh, uh, you got it. Uh, he's like, it gives you security. It fixes this. It does this. And the guy's like, look, turn the page over. So in summary, apparently all the nice things that seem like um, they're calling the Republicans out for saying, look, you don't even want to compromise. You're being completely blah, blah, blah. Like it, it gives you all of what you want. But then you read the fine print, and the fine print says things like, basically, there is never a closed border again because the, the amounts they give, like if it's more than 5000 the border automatically can, can close. And if it goes like 20000 a month, the border can close. But then you read the fine print, and it says this is an option of the president. 
so the president can close the border if these numbers are hit, but not before. So that means no one can close the border um, before these numbers are hit, so the border is permanently open. And if the metrics are hit where you could close the border, does anyone think Biden's going to close the border? And then another one is it basically any dispute on anything to do with the border has to take place in the D.C. court jurisdiction, which is not America. It's the District of Columbia. So it's not beholden to the same type of stuff the rest of the land is. And it's under the total control of people who, you know, like D.C. is like 90 percent uh, Democrat. So there's you can't appeal it. You can't challenge it. It only is solved in this D.C. court. So it's basically right, saying and it should be here in the is, federal court of that yeah, state. And I've almost gotten like 20 seconds. It's basically saying here's a giant poop sandwich. Eat it like it. You get nothing. We run the show. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Anyone? Or D, you brought it up. Yeah, what's your thoughts? No, that was it. That's, that's all I wanted to hear was your uh, perspective. Did I sound passionate about that? You sound a little <laughs> passionate about it. I just can't believe, like, people are, ah, sheep. Like, it, and again, I, I mean, things like a billion pages long. Like, I haven't read all of it, but I've read enough to, like, verify what people tell me. And yes, as much as they have said that, I, that I'm like, hey, I wonder if that's true. Yes, it's true. So, and right now, like, you know, the people keep saying, like, they need all, oh, by the way, it gives, like, what, uh, $200 billion for Ukraine? How are we giving Ukraine money um, for, their, for their stuff when we're not even taking care of our stuff? And what does our border have to do with um, Ukraine's border? And I think, like, Israel gets a pretty big chunk of the pie, too. So how, how does the, the Border Defense Act have to have all this crap for international countries who we're just giving more of our money to? Like, that should be a separate bill. That has One thing has nothing to do with the other. And, like, the, the law that was from 1952 that Trump used to stop the border, like, it specifically says if the president feels like this country um, is being uh, harmed by, by uh, people coming through the border, they can absolutely shut it down, and that's why he shut it down. And now, like, you know, the press secretary or whatever and other Democrats are out there saying, like, Biden, um, he has to have this bill. He has to because he doesn't have the power to do it. Yes, he does. All that's required is him to declare it a detrimental to the country. So if he doesn't have the power to do it by the existing law, it's because he does not see this as detrimental to the country. Uh, because if he did, that's the only box necessary to check to employ the same law that Trump used, that every president since I believe it's 1952 has used when they see it as a detriment to the country. They close the border. That's completely legit. Okay, Woo, I'm done. Michael, what do you think? I mean, I know it's American stuff, but um, I so I started to read part of of the bill that was available, um, but it's mostly written in languages that I like legalese languages yeah. that I don't understand. <clears throat> um, but. It's what, what's interesting is that the, the consensus – so you had guys like Republican uh, Senator James Langford, who is like hardcore Republican. Uh, he was one of the people that uh, the Biden administration brought in to negotiate this border deal along with others. And there are, there are concessions in it that you would never see a Democrat say, yeah, I want this in. Yeah, I want that in. Um, it is, it is the, it's the time, like, and I don't know about the other friend, like, I know that there, there was stuff in there for Ukraine, there was stuff in there for Israel, stuff like that. 
Um, but again, like you, like it seems, it seems popular in most uh, democracies where they put these give these omnibus bills, where they try to put a bunch of stuff in all together. Um, and I, but, but you have other Republicans, uh, like uh, James Comer, for example, who said, "We're not going to vote on this thing because it gives Biden a win." Now, when you have people saying things like that, what it does is it shows their colors and like you're not concerned about the border. You're making this political. Um, and yeah, but then what the other thing that's hysterical is that you have uh, you have the, the Republican controlled House of Representatives not wanting to bring a bill that would because like if you had. So, for example, if 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 even if the, all this did was make things a little bit better then it would still be making things, quote-unquote, better. Would it be perfect? No. But I think in order to be perfect, you would have to have, you know, like a, a Republican-controlled Senate, a Republican-controlled House of Representatives, a Republican president, and all those things, or the reverse, have them all Democrat, to get all the things you want, and all the other party can just sit there and do is flip up their middle finger because they don't have any power to stop it. But when you have to come to some type of compromise— then I think you have to compromise and you can't necessarily get all the things you want. But what I find hysterical, again, from the outside looking in, is when you have a Republican controlled House that w will say, no, we're not voting on this but it, because because uh, it's not good. But we want border security. And at the same time, they're going to try to impeach uh, um, the uh, ambassador or not ambassador, but Secretary Mayorkas. Mayorkas. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. Uh, which is hysterical uh, that that a republic that a Republican controlled House of Representatives, the party with the majority, brought something to the floor. Like Mike Johnson is so dumb that he didn't make sure he had the votes before he brought it to the floor. It's hysterical. Um, and then they also tried to pass an independent Israel bill, and that also failed. Like so, from the outside looking in, the Republican Party is a clown car show. Like it is hysterical and it is imploding. You can't get people to agree on anything. Okay. Um, I would just, just want to – okay, so first of all, I didn't hear the guy say that. If he said that, that's a stupid statement. Um, so it's like doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. So voting against it um, I, I, or making it you know, dead on arrival, I believe totally empirically right thing. I mean you know, if, if you are on my, my side of the issue, um, common sense side. <clears throat> but, uh, but so if he said that comment to not give Biden a win, that's stupid. I would be on your side on that. Um, however, uh, I'll go back to my two remaining points, right? Even if they said, hey, um, the border is totally uh, totally closed, 100% closed. Um, we give you everything you want. No one gets in. Legal, non-legal, it's 100% shut. You would think some of the most uh, extreme Republicans would be like, yes, that's what we want. But if they still killed that bill and didn't, let it, uh, didn't vote on it, you would say, why are they doing that? Why would they vote on that? My other two points. So basically everything that's given to them in there that they would want, it's defeated because in the fine print, any challenge goes to D.C. court. So anytime they want to challenge something that they don't like or that they're not upholding or that they're not fulfilling on, it goes to the D.C. court, which they have no control over, and they basically lose. So that thing that looks like it was being given to them, in fact, is not. And also, um, why would you vote on a bill with – the only time I like to hear omnibus – is when there's a good Kindle series and I have a limited number of books uh, and I can get them all because it's an omnibus series. That's the only time I like to hear that. Um, so even if it gave them everything they want and you didn't have the DC, which is you know the court, uh, how, how it's regulated in the court, 
that's one absolutely killer. It's a death knell because um, it's just a lie. It, it's fake stuff. Um, the other one would be you can already do it. The president has the power, and it has been it's never been challenged. It's always been done. Um, the only time they think it could be challenged is like a hypothetical because it's never actually been challenged or never stood up um, if challenged. That's why every president for like, what, 70 years has been able to use the existing law to accomplish exactly what the Republicans want. So there is no need for this. So even if you say, well, let's just double down and we already have what we want so we can have extra what we want. Well, no, you can't vote on it because if you have a problem with something being called a Border Protection Act or border or immigration bill or whatever, and then that includes money, hundreds of billions of dollars for countries that have nothing to do with this. It's like, well, no, even if you get one thing you want, you still can't vote for that because you're getting 10 more things that you vehemently oppose. So, again, I believe those are the practical answers. It's 100% not needed because the president has the authority to just do this right now. Um, and even if it was something that would say, OK, well, here's some extra stuff in here. Great. Um, they could just not fulfill it. Be like, you promised this. So what? Take me to court. They take him to court that they run in D.C. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you lose. So so you can't vote. Right. That's basically that, that, voting to lose. Yeah, that's the other thing that you said that is um, Nate. OK, so uh, what what party like from a from a political stance point of view? currently has the majority in the United States Supreme Court. Irrelevant. No, no, I'm asking you, like, like, just like from a, from a majority perspective, like, like Roe v. Wade was voted down by a vote of six to three, right? There, there, there were six, like Republican appointed conservative justices that all voted, like, that is factually correct, yes? Sure. Okay, where is the United States Supreme Court, um, where is it located? Washington. Right. In in Washington, D.C., the place you said is all liberal. No. What did I say, Michael? Come on. You heard what I said. What did I say? You Well, okay, pardon me. I think you said it was, like, overwhelmingly Democratic. 90%. I, I said it was, like, 90%. Also, keep in mind, uh, the people who live, work, run there. Obviously, the members of Congress, you're going to have a mix, and they fly in from other states. But but sure, count them too. It's still like ninety percent liberal or Democrat. Okay. But 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 the play, but the court that you would want to because I think it was I think it was you and D that agreed that it should be a federal court that decides it, right? And anything federal can be appealed up to the Supreme Court, which is right now conservatively biased and located in the place you said is too democratic to, to support anything. I don't think we're talking about the same things. Like you get you get that this is not a, a Supreme Court issue. It's like the D.C. court because it's in like a quasi-judicial thing. Um, I would actually research this. Maybe you can too. And pro tip, if you take the section that's too legalese to understand, just you know, copy and paste it into chat GPT and be like, hey, explain this in lay terms. And that will take all of the wherewithals and if not this, then that. It'll take all the double negatives out and it just it will tell you what it means in plain text. So there's a pro tip. So – I will actually do this now because I'm curious. I think there is something in that bill, um, which, yeah, I will go verify now, that basically stipulates D.C., like the D.C. court, not like the Supreme Court that's technically located in the D in District of Columbia, not the Supreme Court, like the D.C. court um, that is not the Supreme Court, the one that makes basically a, a liberal decision every single time they get a case. Are, um, are you talking about the appellate division, like the D.C. Court of Appeals? 
I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure the specific court, which is why I want to go look it up. Because in Washington. No, no, no. It just sounds like when you're saying uh, when I say D.C. court, you hear eventually the Supreme Court's going to rule. That's what it sounds like you're saying. And well, I'm trying to say is usually a, a segue to the Supreme. Like so, like so. For example, um, the laughable argument that Trump made that he had presidential <clears throat> immunity to have Steel Team Six execute um, assassinate a political uh, opponent uh, went through the D.C. Court of Appeals. He was shot down three nothing. He's going to ask for an en banc decision uh, to have all twelve justices rule on this. It's going to get laughed at a court. Like I don't even think they're going to do that. Well, yeah. And 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 then from the D.C. Court of Appeals. It will be forwarded. Like the, the last stop is the U.S. Supreme Court, and if the Supreme Court doesn't well, doesn't want to weigh in, then then it, it just goes back to the previous division decision made by the D.C. Court of Appeals. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like I, I don't want to I don't want to speak out of ignorance because I don't know, but I believe there is something. I don't want to say like you can't appeal it, but I believe there is something in there that would not make it something that can go to the Supreme Court. Like I don't know how. Like that's what I want to like actually look into because I looked into the other stuff. But I didn't look into the specific, you know, why it couldn't go to the Supreme Court or if it can. It, it Their argument is it would take like years and years and too long or it can never get there for reasons. So I would want to know that. But if you want to know that with me, uh, find that section of the bill, plug it to chat GPT and tell it to get rid of all the legal speak. Um, crap, there's one more thing I wanted to say. I may have forgot. Oh, also, I think it was the Supreme Court. Oh, boy. Was it the Supreme Court? I think so. That just ruled that Trump was not immune from January 6th stuff. That was the uh, D.C. Court of Appeals. That's the D.C. Court of Appeals. Okay, so not the Supreme Court. Okay. Anyways, um, but yeah, I mean the Supreme Court, even even if it can get there, which I'm, I'm sure I heard someone talk um, that basically this bill, um, it was not able to get to the Supreme Court. I could be misremembering or whatever, but I'm, I'm going to double check that. Anyways, in either case – um, yeah, the law since 1952. Like, that's the fallback. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And it's not broke, so why fix it? As for all the other stuff, like the president basically has dictatorial powers. So if it's something that they give to the Republicans, and then the Republicans are like, hey, you promised us this, and you're not doing it. They're like, take me to court. Have you ever heard of court moving quickly? So maybe that's their contention. But I really think there is something in there like it can't get to the Supreme Court. So well, I'm going to go check actually, that. There is, there, there is precedent of the court, court moving quickly. For example, um, I think it's February – I think it's next week where the, where the Supreme Court is, is taking up the brief and will hear oral arguments on whether or not Colorado had the right to exclude Trump from the ballot. So, so that, that is the Supreme Court moving very quickly. OK. So you know what? Until I – until I like – or you, if we really care, um, find out the specifics of the court where they basically get their way and they can renege on contract promises. Um, sure, I'll just temporarily concede that. I mean, I don't think I should, but just being you know generous, Nate, uh, because the first answer is the best answer, which is there is a law in the books. All you got to do is use the current law. There is no reason to vote for this because you're giving other countries and all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with the border um, you're just giving it like carte blanche. Why would you do that? So you can have everything you want right now if the president just does what's on the books. Um, the other stuff, I still uh, think I'm right, but I want to make sure because I don't want to be one of those people that has to come back and apologize. <laughs> so I will with, withhold judgment. 
Oh, that's okay. I'm Canadian, so apologizing is part of my DNA. But um, <laughs> I, I, th- I do think it's interesting. So you said something interesting a moment ago about presidents not having um, basically um, carte blanche, you know, autonomy to do what they want. You don't think a president should be able to do whatever they want, do you? Uh, no. But what right. was I, I was talking about carte blanche in the in the bill, like for all the stuff they would be authorizing. I didn't have any, oh, okay. I didn't say anything to do okay. with the president. But in the but in a broader sense, you don't think presidents should be able to do whatever they want, right? No, not unless I was president. <laughs> interesting. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. I I I, I sit on the fence. Uh, I am at I am at times very hopeful and at times not so hopeful. Um, I think that by the end of twenty twenty four. Trump will have a multitude of criminal convictions against him, and and it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting if the if the party of that consider themselves the moral compass of the United States still votes for a person who has fel- felony convictions against him. I think it's going to be interesting. I will tell you right now, as far as it stands, I have not seen. Oh my gosh an eagle just dove bomb into my pond and pulled out a fish. Wow. That was like a bomb hit. It was a massive splash. Huh. Don't say that every day. Anyway, um, right now I have, I have not seen, and, and I haven't looked at all the criminal cases. I think there's what, like 900 complaints or whatever. So uh, 91. Actual... four indictments, 91 charges. Okay. So, I mean, obviously I haven't looked at all of the charges, but all of the ones I have seen is just so in front of your face, on the nose, it is a political witch hunt um, that they've never charged like any other person in a similar situation with. And it's just like outright, it's just so fabricated. It's like they didn't even try, in my humble opinion. So if that's the kind of stuff he ever gets convicted of or they ever throw him in jail for something like that, I will vote for him all day long. If they ever find an actual crime and I'm like, ooh, whoa, Trump, oh man, why'd you do that? Um, I mean, if it's a speeding ticket, yeah, he's still got my vote. If it's like legit, like rape and murder or like, you know, some heinous, felonious crime um, and, and it's like credible and convincing enough to convince me because we don't choose our beliefs. Um, and I'm convinced like, yeah, he did a bad thing. That guy should not be president. Um, then then no, um, my conscience would probably uh, prevent me from from voting for him, even if I think he will still do the right thing for the country um, if it's so egregious or heinous. But right now. I've seen things that just bolster that these people are the people are doing the things they accuse him of. Um, I mean, it's like Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals, right? Accuse the other side of what you're doing. It's like Biden. Oh my gosh, Biden right now. And then we're going to have to go. You can get final thoughts, but then we'll have to go. Um, Biden, you know, on his border wall, he came out and said, um, I mean, after I'm done, <laughs> Biden just came out on TV and he's like, if, I mean, you know, stuttering, but I'll translate him. He's like, and if the border is not secure, uh, if it's insecure, it's, it's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault. The border is not secure. I'm like, oh my gosh, you bald face liar. Like Trump has like uh, the, one of the most secure borders ever using that 1952, I believe law. It's like 51. I think it's 52 anyways, but that law that everyone's used for 70 years, he's had the, like the most secure border um, ever. And now you won't do the very same thing Trump did. So you're trying to let, and this is the guy that said rush the border, right? He's like, if I win president, rush the border immediately. That's exactly what they did. When people say things, believe them. So, you know, the entire planet believed Biden when he said rush the border, and that's what they did. So he's like, oh, Trump's the reason the border's not secure. Uh, what a liar. Okay, yeah, make your, make your final points, and then we'll have to. 
wrap it up. Actually, I'll, I'll defer to Mark because Mark wanted he unmuted a couple times to say something. Oh, Mark, sorry, I didn't see that. Oh, I was just going to say, correct me, but didn't people support Bill Clinton after he had criminal uh, dealings with the intern and stuff? Yeah, and they probably shouldn't have. Yeah, uh, like yeah, what, what I, I think that criminal, that's right? I think that's also I think that's also wrong. I, I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it was anything criminal, right? It was just uh, very very gross and like unbecoming, like that type thing. I don't think there's any criminality to it. Um, I was yeah, a I'm, young I'm not, lad yeah. back then, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not. Pro, I'm not sure. But I mean, if I mean, like, and we've talked about this before, like, you know, pro, like if there are crimes, prosecute all of the crimes, all of them. I don't care who does them. If somebody if somebody commits a crime, prosecute that. And if it, if it if it comes out that there is, um, you know, reason to do whatever, then do all those things. Do all those things. Um, I don't think anybody should be above the law at all. You know, and like case in point, I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, but um Biden, Joe Biden left in place the special counsel that was a, that was appointed by Donald Trump to investigate Hunter Biden. Joe Biden left that that prosecutor in place. Hunter Biden has now been indicted and charged, like charged and indicted by that counsel that he that he let he could have if he wanted to if he wanted to be super corrupt, he could have told Merrick Garland to to take away the special counsel and dismiss the charges. He could have done that, and he did not do it. Well, Merrick Garland's too busy, you know, getting people who are, like, walking on the grass of, uh, you know, the J6 Capitol, uh, throwing in jail for, like, 25 years, and, you know, old ladies protesting abortion clinics by reading Bibles, um, you know, ter terms of prison. Um, but let's see, right? That could be, I mean, this, like, my faith in humanity will be slightly restored, if he lets this go and, you know, Hunter Biden gets what, you know, the world feels is is legal or fair. We'll see. It'll it'll move that needle a smidgen. But I believe this is going to be like one of the Ray Epps things, how, you know, he gets he finally gets indicted, gets like all this like prison time and all this other stuff. And it turns out by the time it's all done, after he's dropped out of the headlines for a while, he gets a little slap on the wrist and goes about his merry way. Uh, no time served. Nothing. So, um is this also how much of it, like not is it, how much of this is like a dog and pony show where, um, you know, Hunter's the fall guy and then maybe they give him like a pretty good sentence. We're like, oh, wow. And then you never hear about him for like six months and you find out, oh, he, he's actually been on house arrest or probation or blah, 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 blah. And then everyone wants to talk about like Hunter, like he's the prize. No, like no one cares about Hunter. He's just another he's just another person who's a criminal, uh, just like any other person on the street. That's not the problem. The problem is the president is so tangled up in this crime and corruption that it's the president. Um, so again, you know, accuse the others of things that you're doing. Accuse, accuse Trump of the things you're actually doing. Um, that's, uh, anyways. And around and around there we go. But uh, yeah, I, do you I have think to it run. could be yeah, that ahead, they would let the that the current administration would let the Hunter Biden thing go through, um, just so they can claim a little measure of credibility and try to get reelected and then pardon them on the other side. I think that's possible. I think another contending theory is uh, people realize Biden is just so out of his mind. He can't possibly make it another four years. So perhaps it's actually not Biden 
who's allowing the special counsel and all this stuff, but it's like, you know, whoever, um, whoever's like really kind of like guiding him or steering him um, or, you know, helping him put his pants on in the morning is, is saying, uh, you know, look, Biden, you need to drop out of the race. You can save face, say it's because of your health, say it's for family. You need to get out because you're not getting elected again. You're too far gone. And, you know, he, he is stubborn. So for all of his qualities, he's, he's really stubborn. Um, so he could be like, no, I'm going to do this again. I need another term. Ah, pudding. Tacos. Um, and they're cranking at the pressure, being like, look, you can drop out now, and all this Hunter stuff goes away. If you stay in, um, Hunter's going down. Do it to save the family, Biden. So, I mean, that, that's another contending theory that who knows what's actually going to happen. We'll see. But it's, it's interesting, all the pomp and circumstance in the palace. Um, all right. Well, this is a good day of discussion. Michael, I wish you yeah, could crawl out of bed to me like they're, It almost seems to me like they're willing, perhaps, to let Hunter be the, the sacrificial lamb so that they can maintain some semblance of reasonableness and then perhaps get their people elected again that's what it seems to me but i don't know yeah and then when all the attention stops like you know in six months or a year and like where's hunter where's hunter what prison is well he they in? might they it's might like, pardon him or he might be the sacrificial lamb and they might like maybe not president biden himself but maybe the others uh, in his party are willing to sacrifice hunter and let him go to jail as long as we can get you know, people to keep voting for us. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm saying that or also as soon as the attention gets off of him, it'll be like, boom, time served. You're out like that. I, I mean, just like right, like Ray Epps type thing. Um, anyway. All right, guys. Thanks for being here. <laughs> the last thing I got to say is you're hysterical. Uh, I was driving. I was up and driving to a meeting at 630 this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but I know you're just poking fun. Anyway, yeah, I got to go. Uh, but uh, yeah, good conversation as always. And uh uh, vote Democrat 2024. Go Trump. <laughs> All right. See you guys later.